0: I do really, really hope that okay, things sort of snap back and people quite quickly go to normal, just as quickly as they fell into this weird sort of madness and totalitarianism. But I think that it's a, it's a real fight.
1: Hello there from Bedford in the United Kingdom. How are you all doing? Are you having a great week? I am having an excellent week. My show, as I told you last episode, hit number one in the UK charts. It's still number two in the UK investing charts. It's number 15 in the US charts. It's something like 129 in the Global 200. Honestly, this is unbelievable. I'm so humbled by it. Massive thank you to everyone who supports the show. I know I've got haters, but I know some of you like what I'm doing. And honestly, I cannot tell you how grateful I am for everyone who supports the show and listens to it. Uh, and as ever, I always say, look, if you want to reach out, if you got questions, please do reach out to me. But I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anyway, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, who I am now using exclusively for buying Bitcoin. And I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And today I've got an interview with rapper, podcaster and author Zuby, where we're going to be discussing the response to COVID-19 now that we are one year on from the initial lockdowns. But before that, I do have a message from my show sponsors and do make sure you check them out. I cannot do this without their support. Okay, first up today, we have BlockFi. Now, BlockFi is the future of Bitcoin and financial services, and they are offering a number of products for Bitcoiners. With a BlockFi interest account, you can now earn yield on your Bitcoin. And I've been a customer using their interest accounts for nearly two years now, letting my Bitcoin work for me. Also, with BlockFi, you can get a Bitcoin-backed loan. You can borrow against your Bitcoin without selling it. And you can now register for a BlockFi credit card, which launches imminently, offering a 1.5% rewards back on all card purchases. If you are interested in checking out BlockFi, I do recommend you do your own research and then head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. Next up, we have Ledger, the world's most popular hardware wallet. Now, a hardware wallet allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin. And I have been a Ledger customer and user since early 2017. And I am still using the Nano S I bought back then. Ledger makes it easy for you to safely manage your Bitcoin using their Ledger Live software, which interfaces with your device. And I'm always banging on about UX, and they have nailed it. Also, if you're an Android phone user, you can connect it to your Nano S and safely manage your Bitcoin on the go. If you want to find out more, please head over to ledger.com, which is L E D G E R.com. And next up, we have Gemini my newest sponsor, my exchange sponsor, who I am now using exclusively for buying this in Bitcoin. But I'm only buying, right? We're hodlers. I'm not selling. Are you selling? Have you seen the news? You've seen all the crazy shit going on with Bitcoin? What the hell are you selling for? Now, I have started using the Gemini app for two things. Firstly, I've been using it for buying the dips because it's so easy. They've absolutely crushed the UX. I think it's the easiest App I've ever used for buying Bitcoin. You definitely want to check it out. But I've also set up my DCA with twice monthly buys for Bitcoin. I am yet to see a better and easier interface for buying Bitcoin. And I do want to give a massive shout out to Cameron and Tyler for supporting the show. I've been talking to them quite a lot. I've been impressed by how much they want to help and support Bitcoin. They're already doing this by sponsoring devs, but they've got an open door for me to approach them with new ideas. I'm always sharing them with them. I was even emailing Tyler this week with some ideas and he got back to me straight away, which is awesome. I'm very much looking forward to working with them and the Gemini team. But if you want to find out more, please do head over to Gemini.com, which is G E M I N I.com. Okay, so onto the show today, and I've got my English buddy Zuby on the show. When you're on from lockdowns, we're going to be discussing the response from the government and the role of the state. And with Zuby's new album coming out soon, which I've advanced purchased. I wanted to get him on, have a little chat, have a good old catch-up. Now, since going into the first lockdowns a little over a year ago, I think my opinion on the whole situation has changed quite a bit, actually. At first, I was kind of pro-lockdown, not in a, oh, I want the government to be authoritarian over us, but, like, I I didn't know anything about pandemics, and you know, we were seeing quite serious news coming out from China, people just dropping dead on the street and, you know, shit like that. So look, I was supportive of it. I got shouted at for being a status cuck again, again. But like, I did support it. I, it felt like it was something we should be doing. But you know what, a year on, I think I was wrong about a lot of it. So yeah, I mean, look, it is what it is, right? Now, Zuby has been somebody who has been quite vocal about this. And Yeah, like I said, I got him on to talk about the album, but I knew we were going to talk about lockdowns. I knew it, and I wanted to hear his side of the argument. Now, I definitely don't agree with everything he says, but we certainly have areas we differ. But it is always good to hear another perspective to challenge yourself. I also think Zuby is a much bigger Bitcoiner than he realizes, so I was pushing him on that a little bit too. Anyway, listen, I hope you enjoy this one. If you want to reach out to me, you can hit me up. It's did.com. I do reply to everyone. I get so many emails at the moment. It's like 30 or 40 a day. I will eventually get back to you. Also, you can join my Telegram group. Outside of that, please do head over to neveredit.com and register for my newsletter. That is your daily dose of macro tech and Bitcoin. Have a great weekend. I love you all and I'll see you all next week. Doobie, how are you, brother? Always good, man. How are you? I'm good, man. Good to see you. Likewise. Good to see you. We're nearly out of prison, man. We're we're kind of on day release right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's been crazy, man. Um, I don't know what is going on in the UK, but um, it's been deeply uncomfortable. Um, I have not been a fan whatsoever, as anyone who follows me probably is aware. Um, Yeah, it's been really weird times, man. It's been very revealing. It's… Mostly in a negative way, but it's, uh, you know, I think there's always positives to take away from these things still.
1: Well, we're going to get into all that because I'm definitely more of a status than you are.
0: Mm, most definitely. I probably,
1: probably give the government too much uh, forgiveness and sympathy for that. <laughs> but I'm, I feel myself get, getting edged further and further away from it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, we're going to get into that. But a few things to talk about. Uh well, uh, firstly, a couple of years ago, you were a UK rapper. Now you're a UK rapper who's been on Joe Rogan, uh, been retweeted by Donald Trump, and had all kinds of crazy shit happen. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, <laughs> like, been a weird ride. How do you take <laughs> it all in, dude? How do you take it all in? Man, uh, you
0: know, I take it all in my stride. I mean, I've been working for a really long time. I put out my first album 15 years ago. So I've been grinding for way longer than most people realize and most people know. Um, by the time most people discovered me, I'd already put out eight albums, sold over 25,000 albums, totally independently, uh, built up a following in the multiple tens of thousands, primarily in the UK, but around the world. I'd performed in eight different countries, etc. So I had a lot of achievements and a lot of accolades and things that I'd just done, right? A lot of hard work under my belt by the time that a lot of people discovered me. I'd say probably now that probably in the region of 98% of people who know me now probably discovered me um, in the last two and a little bit years. So it's been a real sort of exponential growth curve in that sense. So, I mean, this next album that I'm going to be putting out, I think to a lot of people is it's almost like it's going to be a lot of people's first introduction to my music, despite the fact I've put out so much music already. So it's been, a, it's been a little bit weird, but because I've been in the game for so long, it's been—to it's been, me, it's still kind of been gradual, right? It's been very mm-hmm. gradual. So I've had a lot of time to adjust to it in every aspect, deal with both the love and the praise and also the criticism and the hate and just having people online or offline who don't know you talking about you, whether they're talking positively or negatively um for well over a decade i've been stopped in the street or in shopping malls or whatever in different cities around the uk you know people wanting an autograph people wanting pictures whatever it is and so I've, I've for a long time i've been in that weird position which is where i still am which is that a lot of people know me but i you know i can still go to the go to the shopping <laughs> you know go 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 to the supermarket by myself and generally not be bothered or whatever so you're kind of in that weird stage between having millions of people know who you are but you're not at that kind of like crazy celebrity level where it's like oh wow you know it seems like oh, everyone knows who you are um and i think that's one of the weird things with the internet and and then also the fact that my audience has shifted from primarily being in the UK to primarily being in the USA now so that's also been really mm. interesting
1: yeah i have a similar thing with that like 55% of my listeners are well, 50 to 55 is us based which is uh,
0: yeah
1: which is weird uh, but you're a hustler, dude. Like, I I, <laughs> I know the grind, man. I know the grind. But I've worked my balls off, right? I get it. And it's like the iceberg, right? People are only seeing the uh, the iceberg outside of the water. They're not seeing, like, the hustle that's underneath that's gone on for years. Like, mm. the packing up your van, going to a… You know, we talked about this before. You go up to the… Yeah. You say mall because you know there's US… America's going to be listening to this, but the shopping center and putting up your stand and hustling away. I know you've hustled uh, and you've put, you've put the work in, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, most definitely, man. I mean, it's been a long grind. I mean, for, uh, I, st- you know, I started selling my CDs on the street back in 2006. And all throughout university, my second year and third year of university, whenever I had free time, pretty much every weekend, I was out there in Oxford on Corn Market Street or sometimes I'd go to London and go to Leicester Square and nice. just be out there talking to strangers all day. And then that eventually started becoming the whole country. So whether I was in Manchester or Norwich or Newcastle or Glasgow, I, even the flipping Isle of Wight, like I, I went everywhere. Just literally talking to strangers, passing out flyers, selling my CDs, you know, between five pounds and 10 pounds of pop. And just grinding, you know, talking literally to… I've met probably half a million people in in real life… <laughs> And, and people can people can really vouch for that because I still get messages or YouTube comments like, "Man, I remember meeting you back in in Bristol eight years ago." Oh, I remember meeting you in Bournemouth seven years ago. I bought your CD, all that kind of stuff. So it actually, it's really cool having so many people who did support me really early, sort of being able to see what's see what's going on um, before all this lockdown stuff really kicked in hard at early last year. I actually went to um, I went to just like a cafe or something in a, a random cafe in Bournemouth, and the like two of the people working there had both seen me on Joe Rogan, and they were just like, yeah, like you know we watched that together, and it was really cool having you here and stuff like that. And when I was in the states in 2019, it was the same thing. In every single city, I, I got recognized by people, and these are places I'd never been to in my life. So it's kind of trippy, but you know, I think. Um, It shows, as you know, I think any entrepreneur, any creative person, you know how much work you've put in and how much goes in behind the scenes, right? So whether it's music or it's a podcast or whatever it is, a piece of art, people generally just see the finished product, right? They don't see see us recording this right now. They're not going to see the editing process. They're not going to see all of the stuff. They just see the final finished product. You know, when you make an album and you release a song, people are like, okay, I hear this song and I like it or I don't like it, but they don't see the, the writing process and going to the studio and recording it and then mixing it to get the sound and then mastering it to get the sound perfect and a single song putting in, man, I mean, multiple days can go into a, a single song, let alone an entire album, and people just don't see any of that and then they'll just see you pop up. And it's the same with social media. People will see a fall, like, oh, wow, this guy has a million subscribers on YouTube or a hundred thousand followers on Twitter or a hundred thousand on Instagram or whatever. And they, they sort of imagine that you, you sort of just jumped there or like, you just, right? Like it was, it was just kind of yeah. lucky or one thing happened. I mean, to this day, I still get like, obviously I'm massively grateful for everyone who's invited me onto their shows and their podcasts and everyone who's helped me and stuff. But there are still people who think like I have my whole Twitter following just because of the Joe Rogan appearance, right? And they're just like, oh, you you know, thank, you know, if I say, yeah, awesome, I just hit 370,000 followers, someone will be like, yeah, thanks to Joe Rogan. And I'm kind of like, you know, like when I went on Joe Rogan, I had like 50, I had like, I mean, I think directly from that, I probably gained, you know, a good number. I probably gained about 10 to 15,000 followers across the board, maybe, maybe 10 to 20 directly from that. But it's like, man, there's a lot of people who have been on Joe Rogan three, four, five, six times and they don't have the following I have. It's not as simple as that. And also, how do you even get on Joe Rogan? It's not like you don't just email him and say, yeah, I want to be on your show and walk in there tomorrow. So I don't know. I think people are funny. You know, people, people like to imagine that success is, people like to downplay other people's success. Not everyone mm-hmm. does, right? Not everyone does, but there are certain people who they won't kind of, in in my view you get different types of haters right you get the yeah, haters that yeah, are very direct haters. like they yeah you get different types of haters you get the ones who are very direct and they'll just constantly be going at you or you know writing negative comments or whatever it is but then you also get the ones who are like they sort of make these comments where it's it's a bit more annoying in a way cuz like they they never kind of want to give you credit it's like they can't just mm. give you credit and say you know what mate like well done, fair like play. props. Yeah. yeah, fair play. It's always like, oh, well, you wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for this, or it's only because of that, or it's because of this. And I'm kind of like, come on, man, can't you just like you say lucky. well done? Yeah, can't you just say well done? You know, it would be like someone seeing your your success with your Bitcoin, pro- you know, and someone's, oh, you know, well, you're just lucky you you got it at the right time, or you're, you're just lucky, yeah. like, you know, you got this guest or whatever. And I'm kind of like, come on, man, like just, it's so... You can be quiet, or you can just say, like, well done, congrats. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's not that painful well, like, to say.
1: I get it, man. Like, I, you know, I know early on when I had, like, a group with 10 people on Facebook. <laughs> and I had, like, 100 Twitter followers. And, uh, and I remember the times where I'd, like, I would get on a flight to New York, and then I'd get there, and I would have to do some work. I'd go to sleep. I'd get up. I'd do three interviews. I'd go back to the hotel. I'd, pub, I'd like edit and publish one. I'd go to bed. I'd get up. I'd go and get a flight to Ohio. Go and do another mm-hmm. one. Go to bed. Get up. I'd then fly to Portland. Go to bed. Get up. And I would do that for three weeks, right? And I would get yep. like, I don't know, 30, 40 interviews, come back, publish them. Like, I fucking grinded. I get the grind. They don't want to see it. They don't want to see it, dude. And yeah. th- it's not just that. They don't want you to make a, a single mistake, like I, mm. I could be a fucking moron on Twitter, right? You make <laughs> one mistake, they, they hold that forever. It's like yeah. you've worked so hard, you've done four or five whatever years, but they keep bringing up that one mistake like you're meant to be infallible. Mm,
0: mm. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's a weird one. I mean, this is something that I, I learned early. I mean, I started in my music in my late teens and I learned pretty quickly like, oh, wow, you know, people are going to really judge you and criticize you Mm -hmm. and misinterpret you and mischaracterize you and all of that. I mean, I had one experience, which, which always sticks in my mind. This is about a year after I really started making music. And there was a local music magazine in Oxford, um, night shift. I think it's still going. And they gave me, they gave my, my demo. This is before my album even came out. They gave me a demo of the month. Right. And they were saying, you know, this Zuby guys, this, this guy's, promising you know he's 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 a very promising artist and you know generally you know people showed love and whatever and then there was this online hip-hop forum which was quite popular at the time and i was a member of it i wasn't really active but i remember going on there and it was weird because there was a whole thread on me right like i was the thread topic nice and there was this whole thread with you know dozens and dozens of pages of replies all about me right so this is my first time and this is this is before social media was kind of in the state it's in as well. And so I'm just there like reading all of these anonymous people who are actually based primarily in my city just talking about me, right? Talking about me, talking about my music and it was really odd. You know, there's some people saying positive things, but then and also remember like I'm at Oxford University. So that all that in itself creates hate for, from certain people, right? That ain't some gag people are stuff. like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people are like, "Oh, who's this?" who's this Oxford posh boy who thinks he can be a rapper or what, right? It's very judgmental. It's not even about my music. It's just like, oh, this guy is not quote-unquote street. He, and I never claimed to be. street. Um, yeah, yeah, you ain't, know, and so… It's, he ain't got no
1: blunts. He ain't got no
0: blunts. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it was just really bizarre. So, I'm like reading all this stuff and there was one guy who was like… He was like really aggressive. He was like really, really, really like… He wasn't just talking about my music, but he was… He was talking as if like I'd hurt him. Do you know what I mean? Like like I'd done something to him personally, and I was like, I don't. I was like, Why is this guy going going so hard at me or whatever? So I actually, um, I actually responded in the thread, right? Because and I'm just like, Yo, mm-hmm. like, why are you saying? Because he was actually saying stuff that was borderline slanderous. You know what I mean? Like that's right. Yeah, yeah, About my about me as a person and a character. I was like, I've never. I was like, I, I literally said, I wasn't even angry. I was just like, Look, man, I've never met you. We've never spoken. I don't actually even know who you are. Um, So I'd appreciate it if you didn't just start talking all this stuff about me, right? Um, I was as magnanimous as I could be. And then he responded just saying sort of like, yeah, you know, well, it's a free world. I'll say whatever the hell I want. And I think your music is crap. And I think you're whatever. And I'm like, whoa, okay. And it turns out that this guy was… Yeah, but it turns out this guy was actually a local DJ, right? And so the, I saw, All okay, right, okay. The next, tomorrow, the following night, he had an event in Oxford, right? Um, and I, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to show up, <laughs> okay? Right. So, yeah. I, so I show up to this event, and I'm like, you know, I know his name. <laughs> and I see him on stage, and I kind of work out, and I'm like, okay, this, okay, I see who this guy is. Um, and it was really funny because I saw he could see I was there. And he was kind of like avoiding eye contact and trying to kind of whatever. And then eventually, you know, of course, he had to come off stage and you know come down or whatever. And I just kind of approached him at the bar and I was like, you know, are you? I won't say his name, but I was like, you know, are you such and such? And he was like, oh, Zuby, mate, so good to meet you in person. Like he 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 played the whole friendly (laughs) thing.
1: And I was like, dude, I was like,
0: dude, and I was like, dude, like, look, I'm not gonna like you know hurt you or something here, but. I didn't appreciate all that stuff. said, And he was like, yeah, but you know, he's like, I was just mucking around, you know, it's just a joke. What? And I was like, dude, you know, just don't. I was like, I've even lost even more respect now because I'm like, I, I would have at least like got to back up what you're saying. But it was just, it was one of those things. And that was just something that struck me as like, okay, the internet is where people will talk a lot of crap, talk a big game. But actually, mm-hmm. if you confront them directly… Ninety-nine percent of time, they will, you know, they'll back down or whatever it was. So, so that was quite revealing to me. So, I had a lot of these experiences. Obviously, when I was out in the mm. street selling my music, you know, getting most people would be cool, as you know, you know, most people are most people are decent, yeah. but especially in person, to, right? Like, yeah, yeah. But when you talk to hundreds of thousands of people, you're going to have some some very very negative interactions. So. I just kind of got used to that, and honestly, a lot of people ask me how I deal with the negativity online, mostly on Twitter or YouTube or whatever. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand how much. Like, I've dealt with this in the real world, so there's there's literally nothing anybody can say that a I haven't already heard, and that two is really going to cut me that deep because I'm so assured and confident in who I actually am. Um, yeah, but dude, whatever like, they you, say it doesn't. You know matter.
1: when you have one of those. You know when you have one of those days, right? And mm. you've done something, you put something out, and there's like a hundred really, really good comments, like, "What well on respect, love it. And then you get that one person come in, it's like, fuck you, fuck yep. this, <laughs> you're this. Why is it that yeah. way? Why is it that way? We get drawn to it, we're like, that nah, motherfucker. And you yeah, feel like you have funny. to come up with the best reply. And like, really, just block that motherfucker and move on. But I do it. I mm. do it, dude. Mm. Why is that?
0: It's hard, man. I think it's something wired in us. I mean, I think we all know, it, and this has been studies studied, is that human beings are more sensitive to we're, we're more sensitive to negative emotions than to positive ones, right? Mm-hmm. Like the fear of um, so for example, losing a hundred pounds hurts you more than gaining a hundred pounds like mm-hmm. feels good for you. right? The sense, the sense of loss um, hurts the sense of fear. I, I think fear is literally the most powerful emotion, and we're always being in, manipulated by it, especially by governments and media. Um, but the, the negative just stands out. And I think also we all have egos, right? So mm-hmm. there's, there's the confirmation. If someone is like, yeah, Zuby, I like your music, or hey, Peter, I like your podcast, then it's kind of an affirmation of what you already sort of, I guess, feel about yourself and what the general consensus is because, of course, most people who follow you do like you, right? <laughs> They're generally following you because they like you. So it's kind of like confirmation, 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 and then someone just going, ooh, Okay, and then I think also you're trying to decipher is this a legitimate criticism or is this someone just trying to troll and get a reaction mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. is this, uh, is this uh, you know, a hater? Is this like a threat? I think, that, I think it sets off the threat detector. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, wait, hang on. what What is this? In the same way, to give like a weird analogy, but I guess it's relevant, you know, if, if you saw, if you were out on a walk and you see… 20 different animals, and 19 of them are harmless. And then you see a snake, right? Then, like, you respond more (laughs) to the snake. Yeah, you respond to the snake because it's like, okay, that's a potential threat. I mean, it might even be a harmless snake. But it sets off something in your brain that goes, oh, that's a potential threat. So you don't notice the birds. You don't notice the squirrels. You don't notice, you know, even a a cat or a dog. Like, you barely notice them. But then it's like, oh, this thing stands out to me. So I think it's just something innate in human beings that the, the negative, anything negative kind of like pierces through that armor.
1: But there's different types of negative stuff as well, right? I don't know if you have this. Like, you can get, you can get the comment which is like, fuck you, I, I hate your face, <laughs> like everything about you, I hope you die. But then you get one that's like, like, yeah, I listened to your latest show and I just don't think you did a very, very good job. And it's like, oh God, that one really hurt. Because that's like mm. a valid criticism. That's somebody... Actually, probably likes what you do, and, mm. and they're disappointed. It's like, oh shit, what did I get wrong here? Like, mm. whereas like the real Haiti people, you're just like, yeah, go fuck yourself <laughs> back. But, yeah. Like those real kind of like, it's almost like uh, the other day I was, um, I get the chartable update for a podcast. It shows all the latest reviews, and it's like five star, five star, beats the best, blah blah blah, whatever. And then there's this like two star one that's just saying, yeah, whatever it was. Like he's not a very good interviewer. You know, it doesn't research well. And I was just oh. mm. and then we oh, yeah, like, And it ruined my day. one review. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm
0: blessed in that I, I'm just not a particularly sensitive person. Everything's five star. Yeah, well, no, I'm just, I'm just not that. I, I'm less sensitive yeah. than the average person. Considerably less sensitive, actually. But just based on my personality type, which is, you know, very healthy for me. Because I, I, I think if a lot of people would go psychotic if they, if they, if they dealt with a fraction of what I do. Um, but yeah, you know, with, with stuff like that, I view it as, look, the truth is the real truth is it doesn't matter what you do. Nobody likes negative feedback. Nobody likes, nobody likes negative criticism. And, and we know actually it hurts more from someone who is closer to you, right? If your parents or one of your siblings, or I don't know if you're, if you're a parent, your child, like if someone close to you, a friend gives you negative feedback, it hurts a lot more because you value because you value their opinion mm-hmm. more, right? But I think the way I frame it anyway is like, okay, that that's kind of like my ego protection, but let me take this on board. Whether or not I agree with the feedback, um, that's kind of irrelevant, but let me take it on board because I think in, intention, intention matters, right? If someone is saying something because they're a regular listener to your podcast and they think like, okay, that particular episode, you could have done this better or that better. It's like, okay, that kind of hurts my ego a bit, but- I can do something useful with that. Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think yeah. So that that's kind of the way I frame it. And and feedback feedback like that is is also how you get good. You know, beyond practice, it's also how you get good because especially if there's a pattern. If it's just one anomaly, you can normally kind of dismiss it. But if you've got you know ten, ten people are like, oh, you know that episode. I don't know. The sound quality was bad, or you talked mm-hmm. too much. And you didn't let your guest speak enough or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, then it's like, okay, cool. All right. For next time, I know well, I, I know what to do. And then, and then ultimately you become better. And so I think as creators, I think we want to embrace anything that, anything that can make us better, regardless of how it makes us sort of feel in that moment
1: yeah okay so tell me about the record man i've ordered my copy i don't know when i awesome. get it thank tell you tell me like what's what's feeding what's fed into this one is it this mm. past year is it just everything you've been through is it is it all personal is it makes a mix of personal, what all the fucking crazy shit in the world <laughs> is it is it blunts and bitches <laughs> uh it, it, i i don't
0: smoke blunts um oh. and uh Well, you know, The Honeys. That's another one. But um, (laughs) uh, honestly, for me, every single album is a snapshot of the years, the period of my life leading up to it. Um, Mm -hmm. What's going on for me internally, personally, in my heart, in my mind, what's happening around in the world, around me, what's happening in politics, culture, society, all of that stuff. So, I mean, my last album came out before a lot of the stuff we've been talking about happened. So my last album came out January 2019, before I broke the British women's deadlift record, before I went viral, before all these big podcast appearances, all of
1: that. So It still kills um, me, man. It still it, kills me. It still kills me every time. Every time I see it. Every time I'm on your profile and I see it, it just kills me every time. And I, I'm like, can't you, can you not enter the Olympics? Can't you pull something there? I don't know,
0: man. There's no powerlifting in the Olympics, though. There should no, be. Actually, I don't, they have silly if, things like dressage, but they don't have powerlifting.
1: It's a total moment of genius, dude. I respect you, you so much.
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> so um, so actually, I haven't put out much new music at all since all of this stuff happened. And the world has… A lot has happened in the world. A lot's mm-hmm. happened in my life. A lot's happened in my career. A lot's happened in the world. A lot's happened in culture, society, all of that. So… Um, How old are you, Zuby?
1: Do you mind me asking? No, I'm 34. Okay, you're a bit younger than me. Like, you're a Mm. good eight years younger than me. But I would say the last year has been the most significant year of my life. I cannot remember so much happening in one year. Okay. Oh, I'd I'd love to to come back to that. A a total shift in the world. But you carry on, man. Yeah, man. So, I talk about
0: all of this. So, I feel like the album is called Word of Zuby. And I feel like it's my most everything album. Um, I think it's my most motivational and uplifting one. It's also my most personal one. I think it's potentially my—I think it's my most controversial one. It's my most provocative. It's my most aggressive. Um, it's my nice. most political. It's also my most religious album. It's kind of like everything. I mean, I think in the past few years, I very much— like I've I've always been someone who is true to myself and honest and kind of keeps it real. But one thing that's really happened over the last five years especially is— and I think some of this is just maturity. Some of it is experience. Some of it is actually what's happening in the world around me is, um, as, as you know, like I've just become more, I've become not just more outspoken, but I've become a lot more confident in who I am and what I believe and what the overall message I want to put out there is and kind of, kind of what my role in the world is, right? I think I've attracted a big audience both within and outside of my music because people People get me, right? Like, I have a certain worldview, and you know, some people agree with it very strongly. Some people agree with it to a degree and disagree with other aspects. Some people are very much opposed to it. And when I started out in music, most artists, I think by default, you kind of want everybody to like you, right? You want to relate to everybody. You want to cast the net very wide. You don't want to polarize. You don't want to uh, say something on Twitter that may upset any single person in your audience, et cetera. And as time has gone on, I've just, I just don't care about any of that anymore. Like it's it's gone from, it's gone from me liking wanting everyone to like me, to not really caring if everyone likes me. To actively not wanting certain people to even like me, right? (laughs) So and the and being sort of very clear on okay, like this is my message, and you know what the people who oppose me um, are people who believe in essentially the antithesis of my message, right? So if you are not a fan of personal responsibility and you're not a fan of hard work and you're not a fan of honesty and you're not a fan of self-sufficiency and self-sovereignty and uh, working hard, whether that's uh, through exercise, you know, mentally, physically, whatever it is, personal development, like I'm, I'm all about that stuff. So if you have someone who's like opposed to those ideas, they're not gonna be a Zuby fan, right? They're, they're gonna sort of oppose me on all mm-hmm. these different levels. And I'm like, and I'm kind of like, good you know i'm in, in a in a way i'm like okay if they're a little bit open minded hopefully they can see what i'm doing and it might take time and there will be resistance but hopefully over some time they'll they'll get what i'm doing and they'll understand that actually it comes from a good place right my intentions are good i'm not um i'm not out here trying to make the world a worse place like very far from it but i think if you promote that message of personal responsibility and self development and try to be the best of yourself and not rely on this people not blame your race or gender or whatever characteristic your class whatever characteristics you have blame all your problems on that expect the government to fix this for you expect this person to pay for that for you all of that right it's it's kind of for me it's it's it, it all they're all linked together right they're all mm. tied together my sort of innate libertarianism is tied to my love of going to the gym and working out and improving your body um my you know, I've been very vocal about these, the, all these lockdowns and the mandates and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's all tied together and it's all real. It's not like, okay, this is my sort of marketing plan. It's just like, well, that's who I am. That's what I believe. And the world needs those voices. You know, the world yeah. needs those voices because it seems like on a lot of issues, especially over the past years, it's like there are so many things where it feels like one side of the argument um it gets all the spotlight or is the only sort of acceptable viewpoint. And it sort of narrows this Overton window to the point where someone is just saying something that's actually like a view held by millions or billions of people. And it's very popular, it might even be the majority opinion, but somehow they feel silenced or they're treated as if they're very fringe or whatever. Like, I don't think... Some people view me as someone who's like, uh, I've got one of my friends actually calls me Mr. Controversial. And like, I don't think that- I wonder you know, why. Yeah, but the, <laughs> the truth is, if the world were sane, Peter, if the world were sane, very little that I say would be controversial, right? Even that, that viral deadlift tweet, if I go back to Nigeria and I show that to my family in Nigeria, they don't even understand it, right? They don't even understand it. Like the, <laughs> if I showed that to someone in the UK in 2008, they wouldn't understand it. They wouldn't find it funny because they'd be like, what what do you mean you identified as a woman? Like, what does that even mean? Like the context, we hadn't yet reached the clown world to the point Mm -hmm. that that's even funny, right? Because they'd just be like, you know, if I show that to most people around the world, they'd be like, what do you mean you identified as a woman? You're a man. Like, I don't don't get it. Why is this funny? So you kind of need that context of this modern era where there's certain ideas around, you know, these gender ideology stuff or whatever it is for it to even have the context to be to be funny you know i mean we live in a time what makes like something
1: I, controversial what makes something controversial Ooh, great because you know what i've great yeah because i'm basically I'm, i've got i've got the definition up there like a prolonged public dispute so controversy mm-hmm. is a prolonged public dispute debate or contention disputation concerning a matter of opinion mm.
0: so it's yeah, a matter of
1: a, a, opinion but but what mm. makes you know so for example you pick something like abortion mm-hmm. is pro life controversial is pro choice controversial or are they both controversial because it's something that really splits public opinion yeah it's a good question I've never i never even think, thought about it
0: yeah it's a good question i think it's a it's a controversial topic in general due to mm. the very nature of it and then i feel like yes in the uk pro life is a controversial position because it's not the one. It's the one you're going to catch the flak for, right? If you're pro-choice, because pro it's choice, not the you, law. Yeah, because it's not the it's not the default position. The default position in the UK is so-called pro-choice. Um, I have an issue with that term, but that's you know let, let's call it what it what mm-hmm. it is, right? To kind of give it its credit. Um, that's the default position. Even if someone hasn't thought, I'll tell you how you know the default position is. If someone has not even spent a lot of time thinking about or researching or debating the issue, what is their view most likely to be? Right? And the truth is, in the u k.. anyway, not this isn't globally, but in the u k the the default position is just like, you know, kind of pro-choice by pro-choice by default, right? I used to be pro-choice yeah. by by default, not because um, because I'd never really thought of it, and I'd sort of outsource my thinking to other people. It's like, okay, well, the law is probably right. And the majority opinion is probably right. Other people have kind of thought about this, whatever. And also it's one of those issues, you know, you know, thank God I'd never been in a position where I needed to like massively think about it. And then when I really did, I was like, oh, wow, I'm very pro-life, like obviously, right? <laughs> like very clearly. I'd always sort of lean that way and sort of my like, I guess like my moral leaning, like I'd always felt like, okay, like abortion, that's something that, you know, on my very first single, I even mention it um and that's in 2006
1: pro life is in pro life personally or pro life in terms of legislation
0: i'm i okay so i think there's actually two that's an interesting point because i think there's two aspects of the argument i think there's the moral position and there's the legal position yeah um and me i'm pro life on both and that's okay. the only way i could even be consistent based on based on my belief not not just my beliefs but just based on actual based on facts plus my moral foundations um pro life is the only thing i can I can be on on both fronts i'd say i've yeah see, um go ahead
1: i think I think the reason your friend calls you Mr controversial mm. but I think he says it in a way, and he probably doesn't he probably has a different meaning for a i from where I see it I think he thinks you're mr controversial because he sees you getting involved in topics which are kind of like like will cause One, heat ones to you debate. don't want to talk about, yeah. yeah you don't want to talk about. Whereas I see it similar, but I, I would say Mr. Controversial because, for the same reason, but mm-hmm. you're you're willing to to absolutely be firm about your position, whatever the response may be yes. from the public, whether it's yeah. whether it's popular opinion or unpopular mm-hmm. opinion, mm-hmm. you're controversial because like some of us will shy away, right? Like yeah. there are certain people who are probably pro-life but just don't want to admit it. Yeah, oh, definitely, know? tons of them, millions, millions. Yeah. There's probably plenty of people who are either pro-trans rights or you know anti-trans, like whatever. There's plenty of people who will just go with public opinion. I think, mm-hmm. especially you know, some middle-class lefties, will, because they're really scared of the response they'll get from their friends.
0: Like, oh, yeah. and I
1: know it because during the Brexit and the election, I was just posting some pretty controversial things up on mm-hmm. Facebook just to just just to test things, just to see what mm-hmm. the response would be. Things like I don't agree with. Maternity and paternity pay. I think it's your okay. choice to have a child, and nobody. It shouldn't be uh, 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 the people who choose not to have children should be paying for your choice. Just mm. to see what the things were, and like it really upsets some people because it's not popular opinion. Yeah. So I, I I agree with your friend, but I just see it slightly differently.
0: Yeah, it's also just you know, I also like to make people think, right? I like yeah. to I like to create. I like to challenge um, questions because the truth is, most people don't really think about. Like, most people just accept their opinions from the herd, right? They outsource their thinking. Yeah. They don't really think, okay, what do I really believe and, and why do I believe it, right? Or even know the facts. Like, most people don't even know what—to use that, you know, what we're talking about, like most people don't even know how an abortion is done, right? They don't even know what it is, right? Even people—even some women who get them, they don't even know what happens, right? There have been women who have, who have had abortions and then deeply—like, once they actually learn what happened— because, you know, the the so-called doctors doing them don't tell them. The abortionists don't tell them. And in fact, like, they, they bar them from even getting certain types of information because they don't want them to see it, right? They don't want them to see the scan. They don't want them to see the baby before it's killed, et cetera. And it's like, okay, well, why do they not want that? If pro-life people put up pictures of aborted babies, um, you know, or fetuses, I don't care what term you use, it's the same human being— um, if they put up pictures and show, okay, this is what an aborted baby looks like. like. People don't want to see that. Like, it's it's horrible. It's like disgusting images. I know why people don't want to see it, but it's like, well, that's what you've done, right? That's that's your kid right there. Um, mm-hmm. And but people don't want that. I mean, like, this is just facts. Like, those are just facts. But people don't want the facts because, I mean, the facts the, the facts make the pro life side much much stronger, right? It's much easier to talk of in euphemisms and in slogans and in. You know, my body, my choice, and you. You know that mm-hmm. this is why pe- people don't. You know, abortion itself is a bit of a euphemism, right? But they're always using euphemisms. You know, reproductive rights, um, a woman's right to choose. Um, what else do they say? Um, even if you go on an abortion provider's website, they uh, no, they they'll never, ever, ever use the word baby. They'll call it pregnancy tissue, or they'll say, you know, we we remove the pregnancy, you know, termination of pregnancy, whatever. And it's like they 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 always use this language to get around what's actually being done, right? They're yeah. not, right? They, they don't want to say, yeah, you know, we rip your baby apart limb by limb, or, you know, we poison the baby, and then, you know, we, we, we then rip it out limb by, like, well, they don't want to say that because it's so, it's awful, right? It's something, it's something horrible, mm-hmm. but if you speak about it in euphemisms, you can kind of create this distance um, between, I guess, your, your sort of rational side and your emotions where it's like, okay, well, saying you support a woman's right to choose sounds a lot nicer (laughs) and a lot more palatable than saying, Mm. um, you know, you think it's okay for a baby to be killed as long as it hasn't been born yet, right? Um, And even if you say the term baby, some people be like, it's not a baby, it's a fetus. And it's like, okay, fetus means unborn baby. That's literally the meaning. In many languages, there's not even a different word for fetus and baby, right? It's the same thing. It's the same human being. Mm. You used to be a fetus. I used to be a fetus. Up until the point we came out of our mothers, we were both so-called fetuses, right? We're, we're the same human. If you kill us there or you kill us there, pre-birth, post-birth, whatever, we're dead. So, so so that so that's all it is. Um, yeah, so I like to um, you know, as as I've said a few times, I think on Twitter, is I, I'm very much when it comes to social commentary or talking about cultural issues, whatever it is, is I, I like to I like to get people to think, right? Obviously, Well, it works. Let yeah, me explain to you how it works. Good. Okay,
1: go because ahead. Because you know you know I don't agree with you on everything. And sometimes sure. I've jumped in and, and and but what's happened is a couple of times I've jumped in and I've there's a little backlash from some of your followers. And that's like mm. it's made me think. So you put something up the other day about, and we're gonna get on to we'll get on to uh, the pandemic, sure. but about the pandemic with regards to COVID numbers, like mm. how many actually died with COVID? And I was typing yes. a response, I was like, hmm am i just responding to actually know and then i went and did some research and i wasn't confident enough to reply so i didn't actually reply to it because mm-hmm. i didn't i wasn't confident enough in my answer but it definitely did make me think and it made me go and research so if that's what you're trying to do it's worked on me okay cool um what no, what can... were you going to reply out of interest <laughs> so so what i was trying to understand so i'm mm. i think sometimes what i find really difficult with the pandemic sometimes with debating on twitter is some of the nuance so that idea that people don't die of COVID, um, they you know, but they are recorded on their certificate as dying, having you know, with COVID, and I, I still haven't got to the bottom of it, but I've been trying very hard to try and get to the bottom of it and try and understand exactly what's going on because the one I try and think about, why what are the things I believe and what don't I believe? Okay, I don't believe that the government is sat there going, ha, we get to keep them under lockdown, we get to put in new rules, we get to yeah, you know, we get to. Uh, uh, create new powers to oppress people. I, mm. I I just feel that governments, it's almost like a, a creature that gradually just becomes more authoritarian mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But I don't think they're like rubbing their hands trying to become authoritarian. I mean, there was even the backlash from the Tory backbenchers with regard to COVID passports, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to understand why do they put that on? Why do they put died with COVID? And so I'm, what I was trying to find out is is the reason is you don't really die of COVID. COVID causes something like pneumonia. And then you die mm. from pneum- no, pneumonia. And mm. so it records on it or it accelerates something. But it appears to me that COVID, there's like a COVID spectrum from d- dying from COVID, dying from conditions which come from COVID, or COVID accelerating other conditions. Oh, so okay. trying to get to the bottom of that is it's, it's really hard. And I've been trying to get yeah. to the bottom of that. Trying to say yeah. that in a tweet is very hard. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but the, the, the fact the fact remains is that I mean, do you know do you know how the deaths are counted in the UK? Uh,
1: it, it's basically if if you die with covid
0: it, within 28 days of a positive test.
1: Yeah, 28 days of a positive test, yeah.
0: Okay. Because I so, think that
1: what what I'm trying to understand, I think that's like a mm. catch-all. It is. Yeah, but what
0: it means is you know you know I don't know if you know I I I had covid in January. Okay? Mm-hmm. So if I crashed my car on the second of February and unfortunately died in a car accident, I would I would be marked as an official, I would be part of that statistic. Right? Is that a
1: hundred percent true? Is it like I, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't yeah, found yeah, yeah. That.
0: and any 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 cause of any cause of death within 28 days of a positive test. Um, okay, um, and what so, do we know
1: what percentage of like deaths that is it's like, no no, I no can no, imagine we d- No we don't we don't
0: but but yeah. okay, okay this this is a this is a great way to show you how silly it, how silly the counting yeah. is. So okay Imagine if you marked anyone who, anyone who took the, the vaccine. Imagine if within 28 days of them taking the vaccine, if they died of any cause, you said that that was because of the vaccine. You'd see that that's very it's dishonest, right? Point. Right. You'd see that's yeah, very that's dishonest. A fair point. Okay. So yeah. if, uh, so if someone, gets the, someone gets the vaccine and then three weeks later, they have a heart attack or they, there's a traumatic accident or they even commit suicide, then, and if you were to like, okay, well, that's a vaccine death. You'd be like, come on, man. No, it's not. Like, that's, right? that, that, that's, that's not, that's okay. not yeah, there. So, so that's, exa- that's what that's they're good doing with the, with the numbers. Yeah, that's what they're doing with the numbers. So, But why? Um,
1: like, do you question why do you think they're doing that? It,
0: it's different in different places. Um, I know in some places in the, U, in the USA, for example, the funding that they get is tied to the number of COVID deaths. So there, there's a per- perverse incentive there to mark as many deaths yeah. as COVID as, as possible. Um, I think some of it is a little bit, but malicious. that's the US. I, like, yeah, that's I'm, the US. I'm with you in, on in that. the, yeah, in the UK, um, on the honest answer is I don't know. Um, I yeah. don't know. You know, someone could interpret it in different ways, right? The least charitable would be saying that okay, they're trying to pump up the deaths to keep people scared so that they can continue to justify some of these measures, etc. Or to um, you know make more money off the vaccines by keeping people scared, etc. That's the least charitable. The most charitable would probably would be i guess um it, it's somehow very difficult to determine um you know the exact number of deaths or if they don't have the time or whatever it is i guess that's kind of the most charitable the honest one is i i don't know i mean i three i don't know if you know this i mean three three members of my family are nhs doctors you know my dad's an nhs my dad mm-hmm. you know, my brother my 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 brother's wife so I talk to them about this stuff, and you know, my dad himself—he's a consultant at the NHS—and he's like, "Yeah, the number, the way the numbers are counted is ridiculous, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, and that—that's just a fact. It's like, okay, this is just how they are counted. So, and 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 they're, and they're open about it. It's just that they just—I think—they're a little bit slick. So in the media, they'll say, you know, there have been one hundred and forty thousand COVID-related deaths in the UK, or there have been a, you know they know—they'll—they'll—or they'll, they'll just say COVID deaths, but then there'll be a little small print. And it says, you know, even on the BBC, you can you can see it. It says, you know, deaths within mm. twenty eight days of a positive test, and that's a real. Th- those are really different things, right? They're like the dying from or dying with or within a certain range. I'm like, that that in itself is sketchy. And then there's also the the whole thing with the PCR. They do tests record those because, separately. Sorry, they do what record was that? those separately.
1: So they have uh, they I de- they definitely record either. Um, this, I'd have to look it up. So it's either mm. with you die uh, directly from COVID, mm. or it's a comorbidity, right? Okay. Like, uh, yeah, I'd have to look it up. But but, but we, they, don't they know, we don't we don't know that two separately.
0: But we don't know that former number.
1: If they record, well, it, they we don't, don't put, know it. They don't. They're not putting those two numbers out in the press, right? But we know mm. they are recording those numbers because I'm trying to. It's like I always want to question why because uh, you know I'm in this Bitcoin world and in this mm. Bitcoin world we have very. Very cynical people who don't trust. They verify, Uh, uh, and again, it's a spectrum. But Mm. a lot of uh, anarchists who just don't believe anything. The police government's (laughs) ultimate evil. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah. We had, you know, when when the pandemic hit, we had Mm. a uh, a conservative party in full control of government. Mm. Yeah, and we know politicians just want to keep their jobs. A yeah. pandemic isn't really good for politicians keeping their jobs. The only reason conservatives will probably stay in power is because Keir Starman's so weak, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, Richie Sunak is in a very difficult position. The amount of debt he's built put onto the government. And Boris Johnson's in a very difficult position. Like the pandemic is not useful for government. Oh like, wow! People I, talk I, about I they think, want. I think to- it's a gift for them. <laughs> I don't I see I don't think it is I really don't think I think it is if your belief is like we're always descending to 1984 every government wants to be authoritarian wants to create rules and wants to enslave us but and I certainly think there are governments like that I think there are authoritarian governments I certainly no think question. um you know uh, under under someone like Erdogan perhaps that is a, a gift I don't believe in the UK this is a gift I actually think it's I think it's a real problem for the okay. government I think like, it doesn't mean I don't think they'll fuck it up. It doesn't mean I don't think they'll be politicians <laughs> but, but, but,
0: but you, but you, who will do you, strike you deals. Think, you think their motive is more positive and more benevolent than I do?
1: Essentially, Pop, yeah, poss- possibly yes. But I do also think they're incompetent. I do think okay. a lot of them make stupid mistakes. I do think mm-hmm. there's some. Um, I do think there's corruption. I do think there's deals being done. I do think people are. But like, there's all kinds of bad shit going on. But mm-hmm. I don't think. I don't believe there are politicians out there going rubbing their hands saying, Great pandemic, you know, we get to put in all these new laws and uh, that's interesting and, 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 I see it slave I, people
0: yeah, see I do
1: <laughs> and'm not, and
0: not and I'm not saying it's all of them I'm not saying it's all yeah. of them like I'm, there are definitely good politicians out there, there are politicians who are in it for the right reasons, but mm-hmm. there is no doubt I mean historically globally, there is no doubt that there are plenty of people, thousands of people who get into politics because they crave. Power and authority, or even even personal enrichment, right? So when I think it's tricky because when we talk about the government, we are talking about. um, I think we're sort of talking about two things. I think we're talking about sort of like the overall beast, but then we're also talking about you know a government is composed of uh, individuals. Individuals, right? It's 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 like talking about society. So when we say oh society is this, you know, you're talking about millions and millions of people, but I guess you're you you we I don't know. It's they're not very definitive terms. So I think—and mm-hmm. I think you've agreed with this, which is that the, the overall, like, governments by their nature, I mean, they, I mean they, they exist for power and control and authority. And as we yeah. know, they naturally grow, right? It's very rare for a government Until to— Until they break. To, 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 yeah, it's very, it's very rare for them to shrink down naturally. They tend, to, they tend to grow. So when I say, like, okay, the government is growing its power and its control and its authority, I'm kind of talking about that whole thing. And then within that, I think that there are absolutely individuals, uh, whether they are MPs here, or mayors, or governors. You've seen some of the governors in the USA mm. and how they've taken advantage of this to really like, you know, become their little they become little mini dictators um, mm. and start putting in rules and stuff that they themselves, you know, they don't believe in because they themselves are violating the rules. Of it's course, yeah, like, yeah, it's like communism, right? It's like okay, these are the rules yep. for you guys, but you know, you plebs, but we're gonna we're not we're not following that. So that's when you know that it's very disingenuous, and that's when like you know the sinister aspects of it are there. And then you know, amongst that, I think yeah, of course there are, there are going to be many people as well who are just trying to do their best job. Some of them will be competent, some of them will be mm-hmm. incompetent. I think the truth is it's kind of difficult to tell the difference between incompetence and malice sometimes. Yeah. Right. because they, they, they sort of look the same. Right. It's like when you mm-hmm. say something crazy on Twitter, and sometimes you're not sure. Wait, is this person being malicious or are do they are they just kind of dumb? Like you, you, yeah. you can't, yeah, you know, you we'll can't pass. really tell. So. But I think the, the, the reality is that um, the result kind of ends up being the same. So whether mm-hmm. a police officer, okay, let's take a police officer. If a police officer kills an unarmed citizen in a situation where we all agree, okay, that person did not deserve to die. Um, whether it was malicious or it was incompetent, it matters, but, it, but the result is the same. Right, Whether that was just a poorly trained cop who killed someone because they, they just couldn't manage their trigger finger or they actually had some malice in their head and they thought, hey, actually, I want to abuse my power and hurt this person. It matters in a well, way, but in the, another way, it sort of doesn't.
1: This is the exact question that's being asked of Derek Chauvin right now. Yes, was it malice exactly. or was it incompetence? Yeah. You know, yes. and, and a lot of people believe he murdered him. And it depends mm-hmm. how you define murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I personally sit on the position where I don't think he was don't th- I just don't believe he was thinking I'm going to murder you with my knee mm. I think but it was the most incompetent action he could ever have done but I don't yeah. think he was sitting there thinking I'm murdering you yeah it, it's on it's
0: camera. it's it's hard to know man I mean I think that there is no doubt that there was um, whether or not the intention was murder I mean. On in that situation, having watched that video, there's certainly a disregard. There's certainly like yeah. a, a a disregard for um, the the harm that he is causing, right? Because there's other people there, mm-hmm. and they're saying, "Hey, he's not he's not breathing. Yo, he's not moving, and he's still there." Right? That's that's where it's hard for me to give the benefit of the doubt on that one, because it's like, well, if you maybe your specific goal in your brain was like, okay, I want to kill this man, but it's like if you're it, it would be like if you got into a fight. It would be like if you got into a physical fight with someone and you knock them out, okay? And they're literally lying on the ground. And you're still and you're still wailing. And people are like, "Yo, he's not moving. Like he's not like mm. you know." And you're still wailing on. They're like, maybe in your mind, your goal isn't okay. I'm trying to kill this person, but your actions is showing like, okay, you have a clear disregard for the unnecessary harm and suffering. Which you're now mm-hmm. causing it, it, it's it's like when people um
1: that's for fair analogy yeah it's, it's yeah, the difference well, between well, premeditated and yeah you
0: know, in, yeah, but so, but a murder doesn't have to be premed i think first degree has to be premeditated, yeah. right i believe second yeah. or third doesn't it's also like when people um when people are sort of like rec- reckless or what what's the right what's the right term when uh, someone is kind of not abandons but they you know like with their children or like they they leave their dog in a oh, car with um, the windows, what's the right word what's the
1: do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, because uh, um, I often you gave me an example, and I often think of the oh god, this is highly controversial. The parents of Madeleine McCann. McCann. Yes, I always yes. think. Hold on, what the fuck did you yeah. just get away with that? Because you're white doctors. Because mm. if that was a uh, well, we've got a case recently in the UK. Well, she'd left a child for six days, so that's a lot mm. worse. But what's that called?
0: Um, there's the word. There's oh, a word for that. Uh,
1: it's yeah, not abandonment. It's, aban-
0: it's not abandonment.
1: No, but there, it's, it's really annoying. This is now. old age. Yeah, old age. You talk, I think about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so, so there's that. You know, it's like it's it's sort of just a a total lack of care. So harming or killing someone through a total lack of care um, and disregard for what's potentially happening there, rather than sort of wanton, wanton violence. You know, like if you leave your, if it's a hot day and you leave a dog in a car or even a child in a car and the windows are up and you go off and you go shopping. And you come back like an hour later, and something really bad has happened. It's like okay, in your brain that wasn't a, like a direct attempted murder, but it's uh, oh, neglect. Gosh. Neglect, yes. How did neglect literally? Yeah. How did I forget that? I googled. How it. did I forget that? I yeah. It. yeah. So so it's, it's, you ne- know, so know it's neglect it's old age. Yeah. So neglect neglect can also be a criminal offense, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. as a as a parent of child of children, like you you are in the if if my neighbor leaves their child alone in the house for three days with no food. Like I I don't get arrested for that because that's not my responsibility. And I'm not aware of it. If I'm aware of it and I still neglect it actually and they can show that I knew about it, then I could probably still get in trouble because it's like, well, you had the you were supposed to do something and you didn't and as a result of your inaction, mm. you know, something bad happens, et cetera. So it's all of that. But uh, coming back to the coming back to the COVID thing, it's um mm. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's really, really shady with it. But one thing is that people don't want to just look at the numbers. So we've, are, we've already accepted that, um, okay, the numbers, are, the numbers are higher than what the direct deaths from COVID. But even if you go by the official published numbers, which I've just pulled up in front of me um, mm-hmm. for NHS England, I don't know if you've, if you've looked at this, but I mean…
1: Let me get out my side. What's the page? How did you find it? Yeah, this?
0: sure. Let me… Uh, okay. Let me, uh, can I send messages?
1: On yeah, there's, this? there's a chat in here. Send it to me and I'll have a look. Okay, let me, let me, send, let me send this to you. So
0: this is all of the deaths. Um, this file contains information on the deaths of patients who have died in hospitals in England and have tested positive for COVID-19. And so this is cumulative. So if you go to tab number three.
1: It's an Excel file. Yeah, it's Excel. they distribute in spreadsheets. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they've been publishing this for the for the past year, every single week with the updated okay, numbers. Okay, which tab? Uh, death by tab, gender, death by tab, if you go to tab three, death, death by condition, condition. Okay, yeah. okay. So this is so this is throughout the entire pandemic. So this is mm-hmm. this is cumulative throughout the entire thing. Okay. Okay. So if you look at this, so in total in England there have been eighty six thousand three hundred and eight deaths recorded, of which. Okay, seventy-six thousand six hundred and forty-nine are people over sixty with pre-existing conditions. So, in the whole, on all of England, less in total, regardless of age, three thousand five hundred and forty-two deaths of people without pre-existing conditions. Um,
1: So, known, known. You could say known because I wonder. Okay, you could say no. So, for example, yeah, because um, I wonder if so. For example. You may be undiagnosed diabetic, mm-hmm. but there's a, but yeah, there's also a column f- here
0: saying but there's also a column saying unknown. I know it's all zeros. Yeah,
1: they've not um, it's all zeros. So they've not used it. But I was just yeah. I, maybe that's for the future. But but perhaps I'm like certain. You know, because if you have di- if you're diabetic, you may mm-hmm. not have been. You may not have. Uh, uh, you might be diabetic and not know. Right. Yeah. Y- it's only at the point where you have some concern. You go to the doctor, and they're like, Hey, yeah, you're, you're diabetic. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might you might be diabetic uh, uh, but we know it affects people with diabetes. Sure. So perhaps that number would be higher as well.
0: Yeah, maybe so. Okay, but you okay, so let's look I mean look look at the ages. Okay, so the average age of death of covid death with covid is 82. Mm-hmm. That's the same as the average life expectancy, bro. Yeah. Right. So the average age of death is 82. So 89% of the deaths are people over 60 with a known pre-existing condition. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is not me saying that people over 60 right don't don't matter. So I'm very far from it. But the point is that most of the people dying are over 80. And we've locked down the so in terms of the measures we've taken, we've locked down 65 million like whether you're 5 years old or you're 15 years old or you're 25 or you're 35 like you you you've locked down everybody for something where 89% of people dying are over 60 with pre-existing health conditions. So, I mean, yeah. I've, I've been consistent I all the think, way through. I've always said that, okay, Oh, you have. Yeah, no. For, for, so, from the beginning, I mean, we've and we've known this since over a year ago. So, I've been saying from the beginning, like, why don't we, rather than this one-size-fits-all approach, and yes, I understand mm-hmm. viruses transmit, but rather than this one-size-fits-all approach, like, why are we not, I mean, I'd still oppose locking down elderly people because I think they still should have the right to, make their own choices and risk assessments and analysis as they've done their entire life. Dude, lives. if but I was 80, I would,
1: I would lock myself down.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? If, you, if, you, if you're at risk, you, you have the right, you have the freedom to distance yourself. You have the right to take whatever precautions you think are needed. My thing throughout this whole thing is, okay, okay. so let's, let's look at people under 40. Okay, whether they're, even if they have pre-existing health conditions, we're talking throughout this entire thing, 635 deaths. 635 in what, 14 months. And all these people have been suffering all these lockdowns and consequences, et cetera. And I'm just like, to me, this is the, the, pro- the there's no proportionality here, right? If you keep well, in mind that I, in I that just age. Can I jump in there? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So, so,
1: so, a couple of things. I don't think we've known for a year because I, I remember when the lockdowns happened. At the time the lockdowns happened, like I definitely had a different position than I have now. Because mm-hmm. we were seeing, we were seeing videos in China of people like collapsing on the street and dying. Like,
0: yeah, that was which Gen- hasn't that was happened.
1: Like, that was like February. That was like
0: yeah, January, but like, February.
1: I, I, I still by, think by, by we, we didn't by fully A- know
0: by April last year. We knew that this thing was prime, very like very heavily skewed towards elderly people. We knew that by
1: oh April. yeah, no, I don't disagree with that, but I don't believe that. I don't believe the lockdowns are about death. At all, I think they're about okay. illness and the NHS, and I think I think the government did it for for the NHS. Yeah, you you could pr- probably say okay, it's a it's it's there's a percentage, maybe it's 80-20, but mm-hmm. but I think primarily they did it for the NHS because mm. the hospitals were to begin with were seeing a lot of patients yeah, coming it, in, and I think yeah, there was a- that concern. I think that's what it was about, and yeah, then over sure. time, because I've spoken to some doctors and some uh, mm, both in the likewise. UK and and abroad, and 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 oh, and obviously you said your father. I think over time there's been a, a better understanding of how to treat it. You know, lay yeah. people on their front, on their back, give steroids, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I think we're in a very different place now than at the start. I was more sympathetic towards the start. I'm less sympathetic now.
0: Yeah, the, the truth is, I mean, by the point, the, but the thing is, the start was like January, February, March last year. By April last year, I mean, the the first lockdown was sort of, had been had been, had been done by this time last year. I mean, the data points I'm pulling out, because we, we had this not just for England. We had this for places all over the world, right? Because at the very beginning, the truth is the very first lockdown, regardless of someone's views on this, like whether or not you thought it should have been mandated, right? Like I've opposed to it being mandated from the beginning. But if you tell me, you know, I, I, I did not oppose m- primarily sitting in my house and being cautious for a couple of weeks because you remember how they sold it, right? Flatten the curve. Mm-hmm. Um, we need mm-hmm. enough time to remember they, they had said they had a shortage of PPE. So we need to buy some time to get PPE. It's a new virus. We're not yet sure about some of the death rates, et cetera. So we, we need to just, we need to buy some time. We don't want the hospitals to be overwhelmed. We want to flatten the curve because if too many people get sick at the same time, et cetera. It was sold. It, it made sense. It was logical, right? It made sense. It's, it's, and everyone was sorry, like- Sorry, just a slight, okay, go slight ahead.
1: correction on your dates. I've just got oh, here. The, okay. the PM announced the stay-at-home order 23rd of March. Okay, And 1st of June was phase reopening of schools. Okay, so it was. It wasn't till June we reopened back up. Okay, but, but, but the, I mean, but it's the, not the far locked, off.
0: Uh, Yeah, sure, sure. I might, I might be mixing because I, I follow lots of different countries on this.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But the the truth. Okay, absolutely. We know certainly by like spring, early summer last year, we had we had the data right. Like the so called first yep. wave had happened. We we've got the data. We're like, okay, ninety percent of the people dying are over sixty with pre existing conditions. Like we 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 know that. Um, we've got that. It matches up with data from Germany, Italy, USA, Asia, et cetera. So we know that. so, so my thing was, you know, I'd look uh, to me, I mean, I don't think lockdowns should be done in virtually any situation. and actually the the World Health Organization agrees with me on that one. but the the thing is proportionality, right? proportionality. so and also not the the one si- the, the the one size fits- all thing has also been maddening to me from the very beginning because we are not talking about something where there are… It's just been very myopic. Because hmm. lockdowns have very severe consequences. Very severe Agreed. consequences. Um, I think it's, it's entirely possible. I don't know how you'd measure this. Um, if it hasn't already, it's entirely possible. And I think very likely, very probable, that more people will die as a result of the government response than the virus itself. Right? Um,
1: hmm. Whether you're it's talking a, it's, about… It's almost an impossible… It's almost an impossible measure because we, yeah, we can't measure. know what would have happened if there hadn't been a lockdown.
0: We just can't yeah, know. It, well, well, we can look at places that didn't lock down.
1: Yeah, but right? there's always so it's different not, it's
0: factors. Not, of course it is. Of course it is. But okay, let, let's say, okay, have you, if you look at the US data, there is yeah. no correlation, no correlation between states that locked down and ones that didn't, and the death rates per million. No correlation at all. In fact, the median death rate of the places that did lock down is higher. Right, So I'm not saying that the mm. lockdowns itself cause that because we know correlation isn't causation. But t- take, take an obvious example. Florida. Florida has the second oldest population in the USA. Florida has been open for over a year. Okay, So if lockdowns were super effective and masks were super effective, you, you, you would think, okay, whether or not you agree with lockdowns, you would think, oh, wow, okay, Florida is going to get hit hard. Florida has the 20, It's It's ranked number 27 in the death rates in the USA. You can look at North Dakota and South Dakota. Yeah. I think North Dakota didn't lock, lock down, South Dakota didn't. No, no difference, right? You can look at the UK, you compare Sweden, Belarus, right? Sweden's dealt, I think Sweden has an even lower death rate than the UK. It is higher than some of its neighbors, but it's lower. So I think the US is the best example for that because you do have state-by-state data and the policies were based on a state-by-state basis. And the truth is, if lockdowns, the truth is, look, if lockdowns and masks were very effective, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a debatable thing. Like whether you agree with the mandates or not, it wouldn't be debatable. It would be like, okay, wow, okay, we can clearly see this correlation here. But the fact that there mm. is no correlation, um, I know people want to believe that they've made a difference, but the truth is they haven't. I mean, I think for the past six months, a lot of stuff has just been sunk cost fallacy and yeah, ego protection yeah, yeah. because nobody wants to feel like, man, like, no one wants to feel like, okay, we've We just, fucked up. Yeah, we've just <laughs> suffered for Sorry. over a year, and we've done all this. And the, rea- the truth is, it hasn't made a big difference. Like, no one wants to do that. Like, Look, te- Texas mm-hmm. reopened. Texas, re- uh, Were you paying attention when Texas reopened, or when they announced yep. it was going to? Do you remember on yep. Twitter, everyone was—even Joe Biden came out and said, this is, this is reckless, this is going to mm-hmm. cause a spike in deaths, this is uh, the governor of Texas is basically issuing a death warrant on his people, all these blue check marks were going crazy, whatever. What's happened in Texas in the past four weeks? Cases massively cases massively dropped. Deaths massively dropped. You've got filled up stadiums. You've got music concerts going on, etc. They're fine, right? People want yeah. people almost wanted people wanted Texas to do badly because then it just it 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 confirms what they it. believed. Yeah. yeah, but now mm-hmm. they've just gone silent, right? They, they they've just gone quiet. No one is saying, "Oh, actually, I was wrong about Texas." They're just they've just gone quiet and they've moved on to the next thing. But people like myself remember that and we're like, "Okay, well." Texas has just shown—and Texas is a big—Texas is bigger than the UK. <laughs> Texas is a, is, a, is a big place. And they're having, like, full-on events and whatever. And, you know, there's no mask mandates. There's no restrictions. There's no
1: uh, capacity limits. There's no lockdowns. So if the— Could if, it be that all, if, the, uh, all the 80-year-olds are dead now? We've killed all the eighty-year-olds. There's none of them left to die. But but
0: Texas, but Texas didn't <laughs> do kind of any. Kidding. Yeah, but the thing is, Texas didn't do any worse to begin with than all the others. I mean, the worst affected places were New Jersey and New York, um, and somehow their governors are still getting praise. But um, there's there just wasn't a correlation. Like the truth is, like I I I am against lockdowns and I am against mm. mask no, mandates. I, I am right. So, but despite that, I would still expect that. Okay, the places that lockdown, down, like logically, the places that lock down should have lower death rates, like all other things considered. I know you can't compare any two places perfectly, but you'd think, yeah. okay, there'll be a trend. So when I saw that, there was no trend. Like my even my mind was blown because I wasn't even like expecting that. I was just like, oh, wow, like there's really not, there's really not a correlation here. Like not, not even like a strong, mm. like, there's none. There's
1: none. Um, and I mean, I don't certain- know the data now. So, like, I I, I can't answer that. Uh, uh, All I know is my position definitely changed. Sure, sure. Like, Uh, at the start, I was like, "Um, hmm, I think it's very hard to say. Like, when the first Mm. lockdown happened, I was just very conscious of what was happening. Um, And and I was like, look, because I spoke to my friend who works in a hospital Mm -hmm. had a massive influx of patients coming in. Like, I interviewed him and he, he he was getting quite upset during it. You know, it felt serious. I was thinking of my dad. And I was like, okay, look, I get this. I get what the governments do. I support it, whatever. Mm. And then I think what I kind of realize is it's not so much whether the uh, lockdowns work or they don't work. I think in my head, I think the net cost is worse. Yes. With a lockdown. The net cost on business, culture, yeah. mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, my mental health has been kind of mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. but I've seen family members affected. I've yeah. spoken to friends who are affected. People have lost yeah. their companies. They yeah. can't run their business. They can't pay food. We've had a mm-hmm. massive problem of feeding children in our country. Like, there's so many issues, right? Yeah, Suicide rates, Yeah, abuse mm-hmm. in the home. Yeah. I think the net cost is worse, and I yeah. think... I think in the end, we could have made our own choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could have scaled up the NHS. Uh, we did build, you know, the, the government did build all those Nightingale hospitals. I just, I think, yeah, I just think the net cost is worse. Yeah. But I also yeah. think it is it is a complicated problem.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, that 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 is my position, right? It's because we're not talking about, the way people have been, framing it especially you know very pro lockdown people is they framed it as if lockdowns barely have any consequences right so it's Mm -hmm. kind of like okay either you 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 lock down and all we're focusing on is this you know the the hospitals and, and covid death rates not not even death rates in general like covid very specifically it's very myopic it's like okay everything is covid is the highest priority and this is something i tweeted earlier it kind of went viral and it's like I uh, know who decided that COVID-19 deaths are the most important thing in the world like who who decided that mm. right because that that's not that's not a medical question it's a philosophical question right so why do we care more about COVID deaths than all the other things that kill people so last year by official numbers last year there were about and again this number will be inflated but given get, being as liberal as possible there were around 2 million deaths globally uh, from slash with COVID-19. 2 million globally. About 66 million people die every year. So we're talking 2 out of 66 are covid And all the focus, all the like focus is on... Issue? Yeah, it's a, very, it's a very small percent. And again, we know the average age, let's say, is 80. Okay? And we know that, look, I know people don't even like saying this because like, it's... But this is not a controversial statement. We all know that there's a difference between an 80-year-old dying of a disease and a 5-year-old or a 20-year-old. We know that, right? This is not saying that yep. we all know, yes, human life is created equal. But if you're 80, there's a lot of stuff that can take you out, right? Like you're getting—you t- could, mm-hmm. you could just have a fall and die, right? So as you get older, we know the body gets weaker. And, you know, death, unfortunately, is something that happens, right? So death, death is not new. We've, death we've, is part we've, of life. It's part of life right? everybody dies, I'm gonna die, you're gonna die, we're all gonna die. Um, and so, but we've been acting as if like, okay, no, it's, it's all the same, it's very myopic. And it's also been very binary. So if I say oppose lockdown, I, if I say from the start, I, you know, I oppose lockdowns and people are like, oh, so you wanna just let it rip through the population? And I'm like, are these the only mm-hmm. two options? Are the only yeah. options, either either we do, we put 65 million people on house arrest, make it illegal for them to travel, to see their friends, to see their families have old people dying alone and their families can't visit them. Every business has to, you know, all these small businesses have to shut down and go broke and close. Uh, Millions of people becoming unemployed with the mental health, like like all of that. Or we just let it rip. And I'm like, what's with this false dichotomy? Can we not take like a measured measured approach? We're like, "Mm, okay, 90% of people dying are over 60 with pre-existing health conditions. Okay, so what we need to do (laughs) is Protect Pesolate. those people, right? Prioritize those people. Let's keep everybody else. Even the whole protect the NHS thing. How is the NHS funded, man? How is the NHS funded? Like, if people are not working, are we protecting the NHS in the long run? Girl, where's how? The where's money? that money going? The money. Where's that the... money? Gonna, that's what I
1: mean. So, it's, well, Zubi, it's very, Zubi, like, yeah. like, how much is how much has Rishi Sunash borrowed? Like, we're talking hundreds of millions, right? I don't even imagine. Know. Imagine. Imagine he took that total number, right, and mm. he said, right. What we're going to do is we're going to scale up the NHS. There you go. We're going to train nurses and assistants, and we're going to be able to deal with the influx of patients. But mm-hmm. what we are going to say to people is, look, let's let's just be as careful as we can. Let's, let's create a bubble around mm-hmm. old people's homes. Mm-hmm. And then we have a choice. You have a choice as a person. Do you want to see your family or don't you? If you want to see your yeah. family, this is a risk you're taking. And yes. if you get ill, you might die. Like, yes. I locked my dad in a bubble, right? He needed yeah. to be. He's asthmatic, mm-hmm. smoker. 70, in his 70s like he is a perfect candidate for if he got mm. COVID, he might die and that was our choice you yeah. know I think the i I think the government could have mandated certain things you know, mm. certain what do, limited what, what, restrictions like what's okay
0: maybe so, maybe like large gatherings or something like that
1: yeah maybe maybe just like let's not have football stadiums full of yeah, people that's right fair. now that's fair. you know let's maybe not have concerts full of people mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. you know let's uh, uh, let's maybe I don't know. Just, I'd have to think it through. Like, and I don't know the details. So I'm not to make it. Let's say nobody can just go to old people's homes. There have to be appointments or something and there has to be agreements. Like, dude, that, that, yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's reasonable. That's, that's what
0: I mean. It's like, it's measured, right? Not rather, you know, a volume dial rather than an on and off switch, right? Yeah. On and off switch. Yeah. You know, to me, it's a bit like, okay, you know, if, if you, um, I like analogies. Sweden did it, right?
1: Yeah.
0: they Sweden did it. They
1: they had a dial and they turned their dial up. Yeah, but but they've not gone like they haven't gone full lockdown like everybody else.
0: Yeah, so so if uh you know if you had a if you had a rat in your house, right, and you, mm-hmm. you 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 you're going out and you you call someone, hey, like while I'm out, can you deal with this rat rat in the house? And you come back and they've just like burned down half the house. And you're like, dude, I, yeah. I I just wanted you to get the dude, rat. It wasn't, like I, I, <laughs> dude, it wasn't a spider. It was a fucking rat. Yeah, I didn't say it. It so. I feel like, you know, we, there's there's a rat, there's a rat, and we we're like burning down the entire house or like amputating this whole body part because you're trying to deal with uh with this one targeted thing. And I'm just like, you know, I'm not a policymaker, right? I'm I'm a I'm a rapper, I'm a creator, but you know, I'm a thinker. And I've said for literally a year now, like, okay, why? I don't get this one-size-fits-all, like, very, very— mm-hmm. that, That's the point where it also breeds the conspiratorial thinking, right? Because it doesn't make sense. The truth is every single person knows that there are some aspects of this thing that do not make sense and have not made sense. Whether you're t- telling— So whether that's people saying— Experts saying, don't wear a mask this time— You know, around this time last year. To them saying, wear one. And now in the USA, they're trying to get people to wear two. You know, and there was no explanation of that. Whether that was, um, you know, all the— If you remember, do you remember the BLM stuff last year? You must do.
1: Yeah. If you yeah. remember, well, right? No, we talked about an- it.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, so there were there was the hypocrisy around them, medical professionals supporting that, but then, you know, blaming Trump rallies or anti-lockdown protests on, you know, coronavirus spread, all that kind of stuff, all this hypocrisy. When you go into a restaurant and, you know, you wear a mask standing up, but when you sit down, you can take it off or like— There's been a lot of stuff that does not make sense, and everyone knows. Everyone's like, "Wait, this doesn't. This that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense." So that's what also feeds into the conspiratorial thinking because it's like, "Wait, there's got there's another agenda that's going on here." Because Mm. if the simple rule, bro, they've shut the gyms for three months. It's fucking so called. That's the thing I don't agree with. Okay, so public health, right? What's what's the biggest comorbidity for for COVID? Obesity.
1: Being a fat right? ass.
0: <laughs> yeah, being obese. So you're, I you're trying it. to... I'd put a stone yeah, you, on. You, <laughs> so you're trying to convince me that in the name of public health, you you haven't just shut all the gyms for months, but I can still go to KFC. I can still go to McDonald's, mm-hmm. right? But I can't mm-hmm. go to the gym. So if I go to a KFC um, and I'm ordering at KFC, that somehow doesn't spread the, the, the virus. I mean, I don't have it anyway, but okay, that's that's fine. But going to the gym... and. And all the gyms had already taken precautions. They'd already spaced I things know. out. They'd, put, they'd already done all that. And there was no evidence. There was no evidence that the gyms were a place where uh, this was really spreading. Bro, they even shut the outdoor gyms in, in Southampton, where I live. There's an outdoor gym. They've removed all the bars, right? They Dude, removed all they the bars. The, and I'm like.
1: They took the basketball nets off the basketball uh, in the courts when my son yeah. plays basketball. They took the hoop off. Go. And he was there like, Dad, go. they've taken the hoops off. I'm like, For "That fuck t- To me, I'm like that sinister.
0: Right to me, mm. I'm like that can't just be incompetent. Like we know that this thing does not spread outside. Like, we know it doesn't well, spread I think, outside. Uh, we know that I and, think it's be so, incompetence. Man, see, you, so I think I think a big difference with us is you you give them you give them more benefit of the doubt than I do. Right? Like I'm just yeah, like well, I'm yeah, just but, like no, this is it's know. too many things, It's too many things for me to be just be for, to just be incompetent. And then you have the fact that you know now people are you know I was talking about vaccine passports. Six, seven months ago, and people were saying Zuby, you're a crazy conspiracy theorists. they're never gonna do that. People were and, and now, I think it was obvious. Yeah, and but now people are like,
1: you know, seeing it. And um, you know, Let me ask so you, are you gonna take the vaccine? God. No, why are you would you going to take a vaccine? No, why because would Because what okay okay, what if they what if they say you can't travel without it? Just say they can't. Would you take it for the sake of being able to travel or will you no. stay here?
0: Uh, i am I'm, I'm gonna get out of here, don't worry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: uh, well, I'm, 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 I'm gonna take it.
0: I, I, no, like bro, I've already got immunity. Why would I even take it? Like I, even if there were vaccine passports, I'd be eligible for one because I've already well, got Well, you haven't
1: antibodies. you haven't got a you haven't got 100% guaranteed immunity, but you've got most Nobody likely 99.9999. No, 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 no. Yeah, I I've,
0: I've got the immunity yeah. that someone else would get by taking the vaccine. Yeah. So so the thing is my my position on all of these things is not it's it's been it's actually really funny when, you know, my detractors are even calling me selfish because the truth is I on all on all levels of this. I personally am not someone who is who has been or will be as affected as millions of other people, right? So mm-hmm. whether it's the virus itself, so you know I'm young, I'm healthy, I've actually had it, I've recovered, I'm fine. Um, I'm not at massive risk from that. I'm not at massive risk from the economic downside. I'm self-employed. I um, I I've, I've can make money from anywhere. I'm fine. My fan, my finances have not taken any hit whatsoever. Even when it comes down to these, you know, I don't even want to call them vaccine passports, right? Because I think that's giving them too much credit. They're really freedom licenses. Even when it comes to that, I would be easily able to get one as someone who's already had it and recovered. But, so I'm not like just thinking for me, I'm thinking for my man, there are millions and millions and millions of people out here on all different sides of this thing who are really getting hurt, who are really getting harmed. I've heard of, This is just, I've heard, like, I've heard of more people committing suicide than I've heard of or know of people who have died with COVID. Yeah,
1: I want to know, I want to know Especially on the younger demographic. Yeah, like, I need, I need need to validate hmm. that one, because I've heard that. Yeah, I don't know. If it happened, it wouldn't surprise me, but I would want to validate it. Well,
0: the truth is, we know for a fact already that, you know, I mean, under 40, the, I mean, the suicide rate in the UK, on average, is about, I think it's about 6,000 a year, on average. And as we know, you know, how many people under, okay, let's go under 60. How many people under 60 at most have died with COVID? Um, according to the NHS in England, it is, okay, including comorbidities, uh, okay, 6,800. And we know on an annual basis, okay, if we make that under 40, then it comes down to 635. So that's about one-tenth of the average number of suicides. Um, and I don't. I don't think we, the official data is going to come out for several months. But um, there's we'll be looking. Yeah, we'll. Yeah, we'll. We'll be looking. And you know, they might. They might downplay the official numbers. But
1: um, you know, exacerbate. well, they might have committed suicide <laughs> and have had COVID within 28 days.
0: Yeah, you know, I think. I think Where throughout this the whole thing, one? there's just been there's just been a lot of aspects of the conversation that are not being taken seriously and not being considered. Another part I was talking about this with my family over the weekend is. Just um, the effect on young people, right? Whether you're talking uh, mm-hmm. school-age children or, or toddlers or you're talking oh, about just young people, like mm-hmm. it, they, they don't really have a voice in this whole thing, right? The focus is so much on, you know, if you're 40 plus and you're, you know, pretty sort of stable and you've got your life together already, I think it's, you know, it's relatively easy. To be like, oh, come on, the lockdowns aren't that bad. You know, like, of course, you know, you're, you're situated, you're fine. But for someone who's 20… For someone who's 15, for someone who's 10, it's like, man, okay, are we thinking about what impact this is having? Even all this stuff of them sending kids back to school and making them put masks on, I'm like, why? Like, why are you Dude, doing this to children, Like, you know? Why are you doing that, man? Like, to me, that's,
1: yeah,
0: yeah that goes beyond incompetence. Well, I'm state, living man. this with my
1: kids, man. I've okay. seen it through my son, how it's impacted him, my daughter. Mm. Like, it's changed a lot. Uh, it's yeah. not good. Next up, I talk to Zuby more about lockdowns, libertarianism, and we even sneak in a little bit of Bitcoin. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing sponsors. Okay, let's talk about Casa, who I have been with now for nearly a year. They are the best in Bitcoin security. There is no doubt. Don't argue with me about it, because it's fact. Now, if you are sat on a decent stack of Bitcoin, and you aren't custodying it, or you have it all on a single wallet, it's probably time you get your shit together and take a look at Casa. And I know what you're thinking. Do I need this? Isn't it going to be a pain to set up? And maybe some of you are thinking, what the hell is a multi-sig wallet? I don't know what that is. I'm just going to run away and bury my head in the sand. I know because I had all the same questions. But honestly, it could not have been easier to set up. And you get so much peace of mind with this. Now, a multi-sig wallet allows you to custody your Bitcoin, but only move by signing transactions from multiple wallets, ones which you distribute into different locations, which is going to protect you from a range of mistakes, errors, and vulnerabilities. And if you've got a load of Bitcoin, you don't want to fuck up. So come on, spend a few minutes, take a look at CASA. And also look, if you've got any questions, my DMs are always open, my emails are always open. You can reach out to me. I'll tell you about my experience with CASA. I will help you as best I can. Now, if you do want to find out more, please do head over to keys.casa. That is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Next up, we have my friends over in estonia which is sportsbet.io we're getting close to competition time they're giving away a lamborghini (laughs) oh my god this is so mental i can't believe they did it i was like dudes do you want to give away a lamborghini and they're like yeah i was like dudes do you want to buy me a lamborghini and they're like yeah (laughs) so we've got it coming lambos are coming there's going to be a game on i think it's going to be on their Bit casino site where you just go on and play a game see if you can win and if you win you might win a lamborghini which is pretty cool. Now, sportsbet.io is also a great place for online gaming, and they accept Bitcoin. I've been using them to bet on Liverpool, and I won this week. I put a nice bet on Liverpool to beat Arsenal. We won, which is very, very cool. Now, with sportsbet, you do have every market you could possibly be interested in. You've got football, you've got tennis, American sports, motorsports, you even have esports, and they always have a range of promotions available. So if you want to find out more, please head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O forward slash promotions. And lastly today are my friends over at Exodus Wallet, who I have been using as my desktop wallet for Bitcoin for a few months now. And my accountant is very happy because my accountant was yelling at me. She was like, Pete, you're crap with your Bitcoin. You never tell me where you're sending it, what it's for, yada, yada. Shout in my ear. But she was right. She was right. You know, I am paying people in Bitcoin. I get paid in Bitcoin. I just kind of like did it and just (laughs) didn't keep any kind of records, which isn't particularly useful for an accountant. So I needed a wallet solution where I could audit this. And at the end of each month, I could go, here you go, Laura, here are the results you need. This is everything you've asked for. So when Exodus reached out to me, I had to play with it. I was like, you know what? You've crushed it. The UX is amazing. This is what I need. Yes, you can sponsor the show. Now, if you want to check out Exodus yourself, please head over to exodus.com or just search for exodus in the Apple or Google app stores. I want to ask you another thing then. Okay, so when we talked earlier about abortion, you said you are pro-life in terms of legislation. Yes. But you obviously also have, you are a bit of a libertarian, issues Most with definitely. the state. So I'm, what what do you think the role of the state is? Because this is you know this conversation mm. i get in with a lot of people on bitcoin because again mm. there's a spectrum of people who believe in no state minimal mm. state mm. full state i'm i'm of the i'm not an anarchist i sure Nor I, I. I don't believe in no state I, I i i just and and i understand the arguments and i think theoretically they're they're great but i mm. just don't see how it works on a number yeah. of different levels but i don't know the answer because uh, I've seen I've seen very solid arguments for having a state like Singapore, which mm-hmm. is very much it uh, is pretty authoritarian, but is run like a company. Mm-hmm. You know, safe, Saudi Arabia, clean, like, like, Saudi, like Saudi, Arabia.
0: Saudi
1: Arabia. Yeah, I have my issues with Saudi Arabia. But sure, we, we don't need to get into that. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, so you've you've got these more authoritarian states that seem to. Uh, operate quite efficiently but you know have some nasty sinister undertones you have full Mm. democracies that can be a bit of a mess yeah Uh, like i think what i'm getting to is my brother i was having a conversation with my brother about it and he said pete basically what you have to accept is chaos and everywhere you go there is a push (laughs) and a pull in different directions and embrace the chaos there is no utopian Mm. there is no perfect Mm. solution just everything just is always being pulled in different directions where do you sit with all this
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, well, I agree with your brother on that, definitely. The truth is that human beings are very deeply flawed, um, individually, (laughs) let alone collectively. Like, we are are just flawed. So anything, any system involving humans is going to be deeply flawed. That's just the reality of it at every level. Um, So my personal position is, uh, so I, I, I believe the sort of, I sort of follow the fairly traditional, I guess, American view on rights and liberties. Which is that they are natural, and or from God, uh, depending on one's belief system. You know, I'd say that you know, basic hum- the most basic human rights come from God, right? You just you're just born with them, right? What if you were just on a desert island? Kind of what what rights would you have? Um, and then to me, the role of government primarily is to protect is to protect those rights. So the number one role of government to me is to protect your right to life, and then, you know, extend that to your right to bodily integrity and not being harmed, and then, uh, I guess, the next step would be your private property, right? So, I cannot, I cannot kill you or harm you or take your stuff, essentially, and the government's role, the primary role of the government to me, like, at, as an absolute minimum, is to, do, is to take care of that right? So if someone wants to come and, and harm you or take your stuff or kill you or kill someone near you or whatever, there's a role for government to do its best to prevent, do its best to prevent that happening. And, or if it happens, there should be some justice for the person who's violated that. Right? So to me, that's kind of like the, the, the core that's like, that's really, really the core and anything beyond that, you know, I think I, I view it kind of like concentric circles. And I guess a big difference mm-hmm. in political opinion is how how wide and big do you think that that circle should be? Um, you know, if you expand it outwards, you get to uh, you know, public roads and public facilities and things like that, you expand it wider, you get into education, um, and and schooling, and um I guess uh, you know, potentially healthcare. Like, yeah, health health care, et cetera. <laughs> you extend it wider. You get into um, I don't know well, welfare policies or whatever. You expend it super wide. You end up with uh, things like u- u- universal basic income or you know guaranteed jobs. I don't know how that would work or whatever. So I think really a lot Until of political you get to views, communism. Are, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Where it's full, full circle. Government has total control. The state. You don't even own stuff. There's no private property anymore. State owns everything. Provides everything, et cetera. So to me, um, I think most libertarians, you know, I think with libertarians, obviously anarchists, there's like, the circle is a dot. Uh, or, or it's non-existent. You know, no, there's no circle. Yeah, there's no circle. Minarchists, it's like a dot. Uh, libertarians, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very small circle. Conservatives, it's a little bit bigger. And then the more liberal, you know, gets bigger. Progressive gets bigger. You know, until like you said, you get, you get to communism. So with me, I'm someone who's, I, I don't mind being called a, honestly, I don't really, I don't really care too much for labels, but I guess I'm, in the libertarian conservative zone. Um, so for me, mm-hmm. yeah, the role of governments is to, is to protect those basic fundamental rights. It's not to give you loads of stuff. It's not to like do a bunch of stuff for you. It's to mm-hmm. protect your basic rights and your uh, safety and property so that then you can do the stuff you want to do. You can then go create your family, create your yeah. life, create whatever you want. Pursue your dreams, create your businesses, whatever, without someone just being able to walk in there and like shoot you and take your stuff and roll off with it. To me, that's, right. the, okay. that's the that's the primary core function of government.
1: I like these concentric circles. I'm definitely mm-hmm. going to be stealing this as a way of explaining it. I think it's a okay, really cool. Go good ahead. <laughs> way to explain it. I, I will credit you. I'll be like, my friend Zuby, Zuby told me about this. But I, I do like that idea because I was definitely like, as a child, and I think a lot of children... Have will have a large circle that you know. Mm. If, you, if I turn around to my daughter who's 11 and, and say to her, Do you think we should, uh, our government should help homeless people get homes? She's gonna say yeah. yes. Of and course. if somebody loses their job, should we give them some money? Yes. And mm. do you think if someone uh, uh, breaks their leg, they should get treated in hospital for free? They're gonna say yes. So I think that's mm. a natural thing. And sure. I think, I think, I think some ways as you grow, some people stay uh-huh. quite socialist. Quite left wing. And I think some, I think a lot, there are a lot of people, I don't know, but people can gradually that circle get smaller. I would say I'm, my circle's definitely wider than yours. Sure. But it's shrinking. Uh, I've only ever voted conservative in the UK. I've never voted for the Labour Party. Mm. But uh, I definitely have, I've definitely had previously socialist sympathies, but they're getting smaller. Yeah. Like I historically like the NHS. Not I I have issues with it now. Do I want to get rid of it completely? No, but Mm. potentially I'd maybe change. Like it's a it's a shrinking circle. But what I'd have realized is that one of the biggest mistakes the government makes is trying to insulate us from our own mistakes and pain. Yes, agreed. That's my biggest issue.
0: Agreed. And the thing is, as well, is um you know if someone else gives you something they can also take it away, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's, that's also… This, this goes beyond government. It's just a, a general thing. So even myself being… Indep- we're both independent, right? We're both independent. Mm-hmm. So no one can just like take your podcast from you, right? No one mm-hmm. can just like take, you know, my career or my fan base or what well, they can't… They can't just kind of come and take it. But if it's sort of handed… Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if, it, if it's handed to you, it can, be, it can be taken away. And then of course, with most things, you know… We all know that due to the nature of free markets and competition, that increases efficiency and brings down prices right so if the government has a monopoly on something then um it, it we all know everything government run it tends to be inefficient because there's not there aren't those competitive forces there um and that that kind of that kind of goes across the board with everything so that's kind of where my general it's where my general philosophy comes from, and I think also this is another thing that I think, leads to unproductive conversations across the political aisle often is that we all, it was interesting when you used that example of uh, what you you said your daughter would say, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the conversation isn't necessarily about what should be done or if something should be done. It's about who you think should do it and where the responsibility falls. So Mm -hmm. someone who's more socialistic leaning will say the government should do that. The government should do that. The government should do that. If you ask me, do I think something should be done for homeless people? I'm like, yes, absolutely, right? Do I think that, uh, you know, do I want people in poverty or do I want like kids not being educated? No, I don't. Of course not. Like any decent person is like, yeah, we don't, we don't want that. The question is, okay, so where does the responsibility fall? Like I'm very, very pro-charity, right? I'm both, whether mm-hmm. like, you know, and even large charitable organizations can start to have their problems when they get too big as well. But I'm, I'm very pro-charity. I'm very pro-helping people, especially the old, you know, the old teaching a man to fish kind of axiom. <laughs> um, I'm very big on that. And I generally believe that individuals or private institutions or private companies, etc., in general, tend to do a better job of that than the government does. And I also think that the benefit of it being done that way is it can actually be attributed to something. I think one of the big problems I have with um, the welfare state, actually, is that people feel like— I think, you know, if someone is on welfare, they sort of feel like the money is— it feels like an entitlement, Mm
1: -hmm. right?
0: And also because the money comes from the government. The truth is that money is coming from other people who are working. But because of the nature of it and the way that it's viewed and even communicated— it's like the person, number one, just feels entitled to it. And number two, they don't understand where they don't really see where it's coming from. Right? So if if you're down and out and you're in a bad position and other people help you, you know, you know, who helped you, you know, okay, when I'm successful, I want to pay back that person. Or I, I just want to say, thank you to this person. I want to thank this, this individual or whatever, because they helped me through this period. So it's a lot more sort of like human and natural and reciprocal, et cetera, versus if it's just like, okay, some nameless government um, cuts you some money or or gives you this thing, and you you can't pay it back, really. You don't know where it came from. You don't see who was taxed that money for it to go to you, et cetera. And it it sort of feeds this entitlement mentality. So I think even from a kind of wider sort of sociological perspective, that's also um, important, let, al- let alone the efficiency. Like, we know, you know government is ma- the master of wasting money. Um, <laughs> <The> absolute master, <laughs> master of, of wasting, wasting money. money. Yeah, yeah. yeah, do, yeah
1: do, so, Do you know if any work's been done, and I'd love to know this, like a, a study of the net benefit of uh, uh, taxation and redistribution, like – Comparing states like my friend's about to move out to Sweden, he's mm. like, I'm about to move to the Swedish utopia, <laughs> pay 70%, 70% tax. But okay. I don't know, like, the measure of the standard of living there. I kind of mm. have this outside perspective that it seems pretty good, but I know there's some yeah. problems in certain cities. Uh, mm. and I don't know if that's because of poverty or immigration, whatever. I yeah. know there's other, other countries where there is no welfare state. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and there is high crime rate. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if, if you look at, basically look across Europe, which is like a modern, you would say modern liberal democracies, if there is a net benefit to the nation, I don't even know how you measure it, by having it's, some form of welfare state.
0: Yeah, it, it's hard. And, um, you know, I think another mm. factor as well is that there's the whole, you know, libertarians often say, you know, taxation is theft, which... Mm-hmm it is it's just that it's you know the government yeah. does a lot of stuff that the state does a lot of things that anyone else would be arrested for if they it's even illegal
1: yeah, try, try, yeah.
0: <laughs> so again as as someone who's kind of like you know you have a right to your your stuff um you know i'm not i'm not a pro tax person right to me and and that's not a to me that's that's like an ethical that's like a just an, an ethical and moral position right i uh you know i very much believe that if you are blessed and you've been successful and you are wealthy and you have excess. Um, maybe this comes from my, my, my Christian beliefs, but I very much feel like morally you should, you should give a lot, right? You should be very charitable. You should help you. a lot of people. You should, you should give a- yeah, I believe that, but I have a more massive moral issue with the notion that it should be, that it should be coerced, right? That the government should come and put a gun to your head and say, Hey mm-hmm. man, you've made this much money. Like, you, like if you don't give us this money, like it's extortion right if you don't give us this money we're we're gonna take it it's not just theft it's robbery, right because you're gonna but,
1: but when you talk you pay, about being in your concentric circle you say, you mm. say outside of libertarian kind of in conservative like in that kind mm. of zone and you talk mm-hmm. about the the government providing certain services my circle's shrinking too, man. my circle's been shrinking yeah but for I'm, years. I, mean, I, um, I, I I can't imagine we can provide those without taxation I had a good chat with Dominic Frisby I don't mm. know if you know him, but I think you would have a great I know the chat with name. Him. I know the name. Yeah. I th- I think you he's more close to you. I think he's in between mm. us basically. Mm. And but he's like I'm not opposed to tax. Mm. I just don't think it needs to be 40%. I don't mind 10, 15%. Yeah, tax. look, I'll I'll be real, man. I mean, when I say I'm
0: libertarian or I'm libertarian leaning, I'm like look, anything closer to that position smaller. Is, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. So if it's like okay, current tax if you're being taxed 40 and then it's a movement mm. down to 30 or down to 20, Right. Yeah. Of course. You know, a hardcore, uh, and cap will be like, no, we must go straight to zero. Um, zero. But at the <laughs> big red button. But but yeah. But at the same time, I I also you know I have my sort of ideals and my ideas, and then I'm also I'm also very pragmatic and realistic. So it's like okay, a shift in this direction. Right. Uh, we were talking before about like the pro life thing. Right. I would love to see. You know. I would love to see a 20%, 30%, 50%, 70%, 80% reduction in the number of human beings who are having their lives terminated before they are born. Of course, I'd love that to be zero. I'd like the murder rate to be zero, right? I'd like, mm-hmm. I'd like there to be no, but anything that like shifts that in, a, in, in the right direction to me, I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's a win, right? That, that's progress. That's a step forward. As we all know, man, like things don't happen just— a lot of things don't happen in, in reality. You, you just snap your fingers and boom, it's done. It's over. It's, it's, it's like, as we've said, the Zuby. world is very imperfect. Things are complicated. Yeah, go ahead.
1: <laughs> you're, you're a Bitcoiner. Like everything, you're uh, like, all the Bitcoiners I say, Zuby, Bitcoin fixes us. Like I did this interview, stuck, <laughs> st- stuck with me a long time ago. There's this libertarian, he's a bit of a shitcoiner, but he's a good guy. He's called Eric Voorhees. Uh, splits community opinion. I like him. I've done, I love interviewing him about libertarian ideas, mm-hmm. not Bitcoin versus shit coins. But he um, said to me something in, I think, our second interview that really stuck with me. He said, I'm not saying let's get rid of the government. Let's mm-hmm. just make it smaller. Let's just, next year, 5%, mm-hmm. even 1%, let's just make it smaller. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you seen that website, uh, What the Fuck Happened in 1971? WTF. I Pop it up now. Let's show you. This is really interesting. This is what all the Bitcoin okay. is going on about. It's okay. WTF. WTF yeah. happened in 1971 or in 1971. Okay. One. WTF happened in 1971.com. Okay. So this guy, Ben <laughs> Prentice, another guy. <laughs> it's them. a really interesting thing. So you're you're probably seeing the chart here, right? This is where they came off the gold yeah. standard, essentially. Okay, okay. So you're seeing the divergence between pro- productivity and compensation. Mm. Okay, and you can go down the charts, so and you can look at real GDP, real wages, and trade policies, and you can mm. you can see all these different charts start that all the divergence starts to happen when they came off the gold standard. Yes, and this is why the Bitcoiners say the problem is is not having sound money, not having this mm. monetary base, because what you've done is you've essentially allowed the government to print money at will, right? Yes. And by allowing the government to print, print money at will, they're essentially destroying money in itself. Mm. And, and this allows the government to, with the ability to, think of it this way, right? You've got a house, uh, you've got your rent or mortgage, Zuby, uh, and say you want to buy a bigger house, you've got to borrow more money from, from the mortgage provider, and if you can't pay it, they're going to take your house from you. Mm-hmm. you know, saying if you take a loan, and you got to make sure you earn enough money, to you know get by. And sometimes you hustle, dude. Sometimes you yeah. go, you go down to yeah, you know, a Manchester's down the street. You sell CDs. You hustle, and mm-hmm. you've made sure you get it. The government doesn't hustle. No, the government doesn't have the need like it used to when it was on a gold standard. They used to mm-hmm. have that kind of that kind of overbearing responsibility, but now they don't have that standard because they've come off it. If they fuck up, if they can't pay their rent, they print more money. Or they just mm-hmm. take more of us. They just steal yeah. from us. And this is like the big argument that a lot of the Bitcoiners are making, that that all, not all, but a lot of these issues that we're facing now are because of the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of, and I don't know how much time you've looked at this. I know you hold Bitcoin, or you are a bit of a Bitcoiner, but how much have mm-hmm. you actually looked at all this?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a very good point that is made there because I mean like I'm not a I'm not an expert but the value of money is it's tied to labor right so if you mm-hmm. the more you disconnect the more you disconnect money or the existence of money or the amount of it from actual work being done and actual trade of goods and services taking place the more the currency inflates right the, the money becomes less valuable because you know su- simple supply and demand but also it, it's not not tied to anything anymore so if you have like mm. a bunch of people just if nobody is working and no one is trading goods and services which is what work is and money is just kind of being flooded in then that money quickly becomes it becomes worthless right it becomes worthless so i think that um yeah absolutely a lot uh, i haven't seen I'd, ha- I'd i'm keen to sort of look at this website in more detail um mm. but yeah definitely going off that gold stand i mean look if something is unlimited we all know if something is unlimited then it tends to be less valuable. <laughs> if something well, is, is just, yeah. <laughs> if so you a, um, if you had
1: one of your Hewlett Hewlett Packard printers in your uh, in your lounge there and you could just print a bunch of cash. Yeah. I mean you you might say no I wouldn't Then it has no value. It. Yeah, well, because well, yeah, it,
0: it, it has it has no value because it, it's unlimited and it's not yeah. tied to any it's not tied to any labor. Um so how far Like, I certainly do think some Bitcoin maximalists probably overdo the Bitcoin fixes this thing and think, like, it literally Mm -hmm. fixed, like, everything, including, like, moral issues and ethical issues and all the Like, I think that—I don't think it's that simple as, okay, we just get everyone on Bitcoin and we we sort of reach this utopia. I'm not a fan of utopian thinking. Like, I think think utopian thinking is actually very dangerous, um, as we've seen historically, right, when people— Imagine their own utopia and then actually seek to create it. it it's It's dangerous, but i'm a big fan of incremental improvement you know, I'm a fan of drastic improvement quickly when that's feasible and possible, but i'm also very much a i'm an i call myself an optimistic realist um so I want things to always be moving in a in a good and better direction and and you know that's one thing that uh you know kind of that's one thing that does concern me um about the world, I guess, particularly the the modern Western world, is that by most, you know, obviously, the last last year hasn't been great, but you know, by most
1: mm-hmm.
0: by by most measurable measures, things are way way better than they used to be, and generally than they've ever been. You know, if we're talking certainly in terms of decades, um, but I do worry often about the about the moral and the ethical. I would say… I mean, I wouldn't even say a decline in every sense because in some ways, again, things have gotten better. But I do sometimes worry about where where the world is kind of going in that direction. So not just it's in terms of… the fourth turning, oh, man.
1: Have yeah, I do… I,
0: I haven't read it, no. Who's it by?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'd have to look at… Is it Neil… Str- oh, I might get that wrong. Is it Neil… Okay. Uh, I want to say Neil… Uh, uh, is it Strauss Howe? I think it's okay. Neil because it's Neil Strauss. Is it an,
0: yeah, is it Neil Strauss? N- Neil Strauss is a is an author, but it doesn't sound like the kind of book he'd write.
1: No, no, do you know what I've confused the two because it's it's okay. William Strauss and Neil Howe, and I've confused it because okay. Neil Strauss is that guy who did uh, done a lot of those um, The game. Yeah, the game, but he also did he did that porn Stars biography as well. Yes, um, he did. Jenna yeah. Jameson as well, as yeah, well. Did, like he's he done did. a lot of good in interesting stuff. But mm. but it's a really interesting book. And I, th- I I did an interview on it, but I think it's that kind of, like, we're in that period of uh, good times create weak men situation. Mm, mm, yeah. And yeah. we're seeing that kind of, like, yeah, everything seems so good. We've all got, like, my kids have got iPads, and like, my kids have got <laughs> iPhones, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Like, actual iPhones. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, everyone's that, so that, pissed that off, creates its, and that,
0: and that Yeah, and that creates its own its own problems. Like, that's a whole new minefield.
1: Um but it's that kind of like every we've got we've we shouldn't we should be the happiest we we should be happy like there mm. should be good times yeah everyone is unhappy and shouting at each other so perhaps mm. perhaps it's the fall of rome now or <laughs> well, human, the fall of rome, human being
0: it. people need struggle man people need struggle people need purpose people need meaning people need community um you know there's a lot more than there's a lot. I'm going to be doing a podcast on a, you know with a massive UBI advocate uh, soon, actually. So even when it comes to something like you know, besides being a libertarian leaning um, and UBI being a very socialist idea, like one of my one of my main big pushbacks against something like that is, um, you know, a lot of the problems, you know, even a lot of the problems that people attribute to poverty, it's not as simple as it's not as simple as lack of money. Right. It's not as simple as lack of money. I think we we all know that, you know, um, it's an old age saying that money doesn't buy happiness, which is true. But we also know that a lot of people's problems, yeah, there are problems that can be fixed with money, but there are a lot that can't. I mean, you know, the UK, the US, these countries have trillions and trillions of pounds and dollars, et cetera. But it's not as simple as just like, okay, we can just throw money at any situation, whether it's Individual or on a wider level, and Mm -hmm. and fix it. And um, I think even doing work, the value of work goes way beyond making money, right? So I know a lot of people kind of feel like, oh, I wish I didn't have to work. I wish I didn't have a you know need a job or whatever, and I could just get money kind of for nothing. But that that in itself destroys the human spirit, right? Mm -hmm. And I and I think that. I don't, I don't. haven't got data on this, but you know, I think that could probably be even looked at with, with some type of data, you know, not that you can measure spirit, but like how people's behavior changes. Like a lot of the value of work is doing something productive that is contributing to society in some way, shape, or form. Even if you don't really feel like it is, I don't know, you're, you're a waiter or you're doing customer service or something. And maybe you don't feel appreciated or you don't, but the truth is you are offering something of value to society. And let alone the fact that, you know, you're using your brain, you're physically moving around, you're you're doing something that is valuable. So I think that the, that's, that's kind of the weird thing with money is that, I don't know, like if you or I earned as much money as we did without Putting in the work and the grind and the hustle, all that stuff that we're talking about. Number one, we would be far less developed human beings and we wouldn't actually have that much to offer the world. We, we, we may not be able to have this conversation because, like, mm-hmm. we just, right? We wouldn't, we'd, we'd be shells. We wouldn't have been through this stuff and, you know, we, we just wouldn't have this perspective. So I don't know. I don't know exactly where I'm going here, but I, I kind of have. work,
1: um, man. Proof of work. Yeah, proof, yeah, yeah. yeah, great,
0: great, <laughs> literally, great, great, great way to put it, right? Proof of, proof of work. And that's where the value comes from. And that's where I feel like, you know, a human being, certainly, you know, b- both men and women, but as, I'd say especially as a man, especially as a man. I mean, look, if you take away a man's work, then you leave him a shell of himself, of himself right? Mm-hmm. You, 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 you leave him a shell. I mean, it's, we know that if a man loses his job or a woman loses her job, The man is far more likely to fall into depression at an extreme. He's far more likely to consider, you know, have suicidal thoughts, things like that. Because as a man, we know that in society, whether within our family or just society in general, our sort of value and self—our self-esteem, our self-worth, our confidence, all of that, it's tied Mm -hmm. to— it's tied, to, it's tied to our work and you know, being able to mm-hmm. provide and being able to do something. So if, if you kind of take that away from a man, it really emasculates him, et cetera. It's, it's also why I don't really um, like the idea of uh, retirement. Right? And I find that actually when men retire, that's when they really start to age. Right? Like that's when they really, really start to age. Like if they keep working, you know, my dad's in his mid-70s yeah, and he's still working, and I'm glad he mm-hmm. is because it, keep, it keeps him sharp, it keeps him engaged with society, it keeps him feeling valuable, and he's doing something. This, you know, if he'd retired ten years ago and for the past decade had just been sitting there, I, I don't think he'd be in a, as good a as good a state.
1: Check out Mick Jagger. Check out the Rolling Stones. They're all like 106 and they're still strutting it on stage, going down the gym and making babies. Yeah. Like, did not one of them Man. just have a baby and he's like 84 or something? Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Mick Jagger right. goes to the gym every day. He's thin. Yeah. He looks good. Like, if he wasn't, yeah. if he didn't have the incentive to get on stage. I think Actually, how old gone. is he? Because am I'm, I'm I being an asshole? He's probably Actually, in his. He? Probably in his. What are you going to say? I'm, I haven't looked it up. I'm going to go 82. What are you going to say? Oh
0: wow. Okay, I don't think he's that old. I'm going to say going 75. To say. 77, 77, Yeah, but still okay. he's
1: 77. Yeah, yeah, and he's still strutting it. He's mm-hmm. he's still still strutting it. It's yeah, you know the I, I think we're
0: we're kind of like sharks. You know, if sharks stop swimming, they suffocate, right? So I think it's like, you got to, you got to stay in motion. I think even with the human body, right? Like if you don't, if you don't move, you atrophy your muscles, literally mm-hmm. atrophy you weaken. Um, you know, like I'm looking forward to the gyms opening soon so that I can see how weak I've become, you know, but Monday. I've still been training, but like, if you don't, if you don't keep moving, if you don't keep, whether it's your brain, it's your mind, whatever it is, you ha- you have to stay in motion. You have to stay doing things. You have to stay creating a struggle. And I think that I think this is also a big part of, uh, you know, some of these social issues and whether we're talking like all this woke stuff or like this SJW thing, whatever. I think a lot of it comes from the fact that human beings crave. It's weird. We're always trying to like avoid struggle, but we also crave it. There's there's this weird weird thing in us. I think that's why, you know, now like, dude, we're in 2021. I've never seen more people, especially online, talking about, white supremacy, <laughs> right? It's 2021. I'm like, what are you guys even talking about? Like, who, where are all these white supremacists? Like, I keep hearing about white supremacy, white supremacy. I'm like, I wasn't hearing this in 2011 or 2001 or even 1991. You know, like, have the KKK just made some huge comeback? Are there neo-Nazis? Around? I'm, I'm like, no, but they've just, they've just diluted all these terms and are literally inventing things in their brain to sort of have this have this monster to fight any against. Any drama? And to me it's, a, it's a very any drama. Yeah, yeah, But it's really it's really really bizarre. Or you know, when you get like super super duper feminists and there, you know, the patriarchy. This and and I'm kind of like, what are you? Like you you live in you live in London. Like what are you? What are you talking about? Like when you say the patriarchy, like, it's like it's like a ghost. You know, it's like this mm-hmm. ghost that's just hovering around. And I'm kind of like, what are you? What exactly are you? talking about it. and they often can't even describe it right they can't define <laughs> what they're the saying but yeah <laughs> but they just sort of feel this thing and I'm kind of like man this is weird like why can't yeah. you just go actually you know what things are things are not perfect but actually they're they're pretty good you know if you, if you live in the UK in 2021 things things are pretty good i know right now the situation is not great <laughs> mm-hmm. but generally yeah, i know speaking, what you're saying
1: though. yeah let's go back let's go back 15 months things were okay right things were yeah okay yeah,
0: things were more I than think. okay. Like if you have any global perspective or historical perspective, you'd be it would be hard to argue that uh, I remember I, I tweeted this once. I said, um, I think I tweeted this like two or three years ago. I tweeted, um, it went viral, but it was quite controversial, which is which says a lot, because I said that if you live in the U.K. or USA right now, you live in one of the least racist, least sexist, least homophobic countries in the world in the least racist, least sexist, and least homophobic time period ever in history. And I somehow caught right. flack from that. And I was like, that's a good thing.
1: Can, can I give you my favorite Zuby quote? And you did it on my show, and I don't know if you said it before. <laughs> I'm going to give you my favorite okay. Zuby quote. <laughs> the, deva- the, the demand for racism vastly out, outstrips supply. Real
0: talk. Real talk. Real talk it's so true.
1: Zuby. It's so true. Listen, man, this has been awesome. You know I could talk to you for hours. This has yeah, already man. gone on longer than I thought I would. But I slipped in a little bit of Bitcoin. I had to do it, man. Uh, yeah, okay, man. listen, when's the album out?
0: The album is, uh, so if you, I don't know when this comes out, but the Kickstarter is running until the 14th of April. If you pre-order it mm-hmm. on there, you will get it in May. Um, the physical ones are going to be in June and most likely July or August for the vinyl. And generally, the wider release is looking like pre- June or July. June or July. Okay. I don't have a set date yet, um, but yeah, exciting times.
1: When do you think? When do you think you'll be performing on stage again?
0: Man, um, I think this summer. Honestly, I, it might it might not be in the UK, um, but I think this summer. It might, it might end up being in you know Texas and Florida and and all of that. But we'll <laughs> we'll see. I don't I don't I don't know where the UK is. I don't know where the UK is going. But um, uh, I'm not going to be the there a couple hole. months time. Yeah, it's. it's <laughs> It's disturbing. I'm very concerned for the future of for the future of this country in a way that I've never been before. Uh, it's, it, I do really, really hope that okay things sort of snap back and people quite quickly go to normal, just as quickly as they fell into this weird sort of madness and totalitarianism. But I think that it's a, it's a real fight. I think it's a I think it's an important fight. That people, I think, people need to fully reclaim their freedom and not allow the government to just continue to pull them around, push them around, and keep shifting the goalposts and keep doing this and doing that. I mean, every day the justification for all of this stuff gets weaker and weaker and weaker. Especially now, Mm -hmm. you know, the vaccines are there. We've got ninety percent of the people who are ninety percent of the deaths and hospitalizations already immunized. Um, You know, like I, I don't know. They were like. 10 deaths yesterday or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. keeping 65, you know, I, stuff, stuff is gonna open. I just hope that it it snaps back really quickly. That's what I hope for.
1: Yeah, I agree, man. Well, listen, I appreciate you, man. Um, I definitely learn from you. I definitely Thanks, reconsider things for you. I don't always agree with you, but like I That's all good, man. I do definitely rethink positions. Uh my circle's getting smaller. Uh, I, think, I, I think I'm going to end up in Texas I really do yeah. I'm end up in Texas. I fucking love it there I do yeah, I love the same, people same. I love life there uh, big I, fan I, big I, fan and I like Austin because Austin has that just like that nice it's it's like a nice mix of blue and red it's kind of purple I like it you can yeah. you can just you, you can go and get you a bit of red and you go and get you a bit of blue I like it but mm, uh, mm. no dude look good luck with the album uh, anything Thank I can do for you for you, you know you can reach out to me I love what you're doing man peace out
0: thanks so much man appreciate it Peter
1: Alrighty. What do you think of that one? You enjoy that? It is always good to talk to Zuby. He's the sort of person, well, I say this a lot actually, he's another one of those people I could just chat to for hours. I definitely don't agree with him on everything, but he also makes me think. He's a pretty smart dude. And this isn't the first time I've interviewed him. It's the first time he's been on the Bitcoin show, but I did interview him last year for my other podcast, Defiance. So if you want to go and check that out, that was episode 53. It was another cracking show. And listen, thanks, as ever, for, for listening. If you want to get in touch, you've got any questions, you can head over to my Telegram channel, which has grown pretty fast at the moment. Ben Prentice is doing an amazing job of answering your questions, and I'll jump in there occasionally too. Also, you can hit me up directly at hello at whatbitcoindid.com. If you want to discuss what you've heard today, maybe you agree with Zubi, maybe you disagree, maybe you agree with me, maybe you think I'm a status cuck and you want to shout at me, whatever, you can email me at hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Outside of that, if you want to leave me a review, that would be amazing. If you can head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star review and tell everyone why my show is better than pomps, that would be amazing. And yeah, outside of that, go to neveredit.com, sign up for my newsletter. That's your daily dose of macro tech and Bitcoin. I think that's about it. Looking forward to the weekend. We come out of prison on Monday. I've got a haircut booked. I'm so excited to get a haircut. It's going to be amazing. Anyway, love you all. Have a great weekend and I will see you all next week.